0: Um, Good afternoon. The Board of Trustees um, will now call this regular meeting to order at 4.32 p.m. We welcome all members of the public um, uh, in attendance and instructions on making public comment are posted in item one of the agenda, and we will ask at each each item if there is public comment. Catherine, will you please do roll call?
1: Okay, Student Trustee Soto Gonzalez. Here. Trustee Rios?
2: Here.
1: Trustee DeLuna? Here. Trustee Baldini? He's here. (laughs) Okay, Uh, (laughs) Trustee. okay, thank you. Trustee Goff? Here. Trustee Baker? Here. Trustee Iverson? Here. And Trustee Dodd?
0: Here. Thank you. We'll move to the Pledge of Allegiance. Catherine, will you open the flag, as I see you've already done. Very proactive. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Trustee Iverson, will you uh, please lead us in this Pledge of Allegiance? Pledge of Allegiance to the flag Flag.
3: of the United United States 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 of America America. and 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 to the Republic Republic, for which it stands, stands one one nation under God indivisible,
0: liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much, Trustee Iverson. Um, Moving to 2.3, adoption of the agenda. Uh, We will be pulling item uh, 16.5, amendment to the lease agreement um, with the City of St. Helena. Um, Are there any other uh, changes to the agenda presented?
1: I have received no,
0: no recommendations. And seeing none from the trustees, I'll speak very slowly just in case somebody wants. All right, seeing uh, none, uh, uh, we will uh, move to adopt the agenda by consensus. Um, I'll also kind of speak to some other changes to the agenda once we get back from, from closed session. Um, but you'll, one uh, change is a little bit different from our agenda as we're moving. A CONSTITUENCY REPORTS SO THEY'RE SEQUENTIAL, um, at the, WE'RE MOVING TOWARDS THE END OF THE MEETING SO THEY'RE SEQUENTIAL um, WITH THE REST OF THE BOARD REPORTS. Um, MOVING TO ACTION 3.1, A RESOLUTION IN HONOR OF NAPA VALLEY COLLEGE CLASSIFIED PROFESSIONALS. AND DO WE HAVE ANY OF OUR, our CLASSIFIED uh, IN ATTENDANTS? Catherine
1: oh I see one hand raised I don't see that's Dixie Larson and I see Dwayne and Yesenia I believe on the other side
0: what well, do we take a public comment from uh, from Dixie and making sure I hope so she has some comment on this item okay I've asked her
1: to unmute Hello.
0: Go ahead. Hi, Dixie. Hi. Thanks for joining. We can hear you great.
4: Um,
5: the public comment regarding moving the constituent reports, is that what you wanted feedback on?
0: No, we're not taking a public comment on that item. We are taking public comment on our adoption of resolution of classified professionals serving over 15 years.
5: Oh. Thank you.
1: Yes. Um,
0: but we'll have an opportunity to move to just for so you're, you know, in terms of return, once we uh, get back from public session about six o'clock, um, there'll be an opportunity for public general comment. I think that would be an appropriate um, uh, a time to, to speak to that. So that should probably be about 6, 10 PM.
5: Okay. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Pixie. So, uh, we're, uh, we have six classified, um, professionals who have serving given over 15 years of their career to the college. Um, I'd love to maybe read a, a, a few uh, pieces, um, in terms of the recitals, uh, but Navajo Valley college classified professionals are an important valued and essential part of the educational team whose shared goal is to provide access to outstanding college programs and services. Um, Through their professionalism, teamwork, and dedication, uh, they have raised the reputation of the college and the community, enhanced um, the educational experience of countless students. Um, They are very much a modest and self-sacrificing group um, who work behind the scenes. This is not in there, but often quite get unnoticed. um, But they accomplish uh, so much uh, for our um, college family and in particular, our students. Um, with the um, ever-growing challenges that we face in this uh, pandemic world. Um, As of June 30th, 2022, over 78 classified professionals have reached 15 years of regular service at Napa Valley College and along with other long-serving professionals have provided stability and continuity uh, to this institution. Um, In terms of uh, the 75... uh, excuse me 78 classified these are six new um, classified professionals um, who are making it on amongst the 78 and um, unless there is any comments I would uh, welcome a motion to approve the resolution
1: with approval. You second. Second.
0: Thank you I have a trustee Baker with the motion and trustee Baldini with the second. Catherine um, I'll do a, a roll call of votes and i will call on student trustees soto gonzalez aye trustee baldini aye trustee goff
6: absolutely
0: <laughs> trustee rios aye trustee baker aye trustee de luna aye trustee iverson aye. and i'll vote aye as well Thank you very much to our classified professionals, especially those uh, in attendance uh, this evening. At this time, uh, the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes to hear comments regarding closed session agenda items individual comments will be limited to three minutes Catherine, is there any public comment on closed session items.
1: Uh, I have received none, and I don't see any hands raised.
0: I don't see any either. So at this time, the board will move into closed session covering um, four items. Uh, Item 5.1, conference with legal counsel regarding anticipated litigation, conference with labor negotiators, Item five point three conference with real property negotiators. Item five point four um, with respect to every item of business to be discussed um, in closed session regarding public employment. Uh, the board uh, will return at approximately six p.m. So we, the board, will return to public session at six oh seven p.m. There are no announcements. Um, to report from closed session, um, but I did want to note a few items uh, before we jump back into this evening's uh, board meeting. Um, first uh, we've rearranged the normal format of the agenda tonight, uh, including uh, adding constituency reports um, directly before the board reports so that all reports can occur uh, sequentially right after the other. Um, this allows a more reliable schedule for discussion of each agenda item. And it also allows board members to be more responsive to any issues raised by constituent leaders uh, and also note to um, the way that we've scheduled um, the agenda and formatted it tonight is is uh, the same type of agenda format that's used by various other community colleges, uh, including uh, Los Rios, a community college district um, um, where Dr. Torrance Powell is at right now. And he suggested also this, this is a very a good idea and a good way to structure an agenda as well. So I, I appreciate that um, direction from him. Um, second, uh, we received, uh, you know, what I will call as a gift from the chancellor's office with respect to the FICMAT report uh, released last week. And this is a, a neutral, unbiased um, third party report from experts who work with California educational institutions throughout the state to um, improve operational and budget performance um, through uh, every community college it's available to. Uh, the FICMAT report provides a very detailed roadmap for the college moving forward. Um, it's posted and I encourage people to read it very carefully. Uh, I know I've already reviewed it uh, three times myself um, but it provides a very helpful um, and detailed roadmap for the college moving forward. Um, and if you do a little research on FICMAT itself, um, you'll actually see that they are working um, through with other community colleges right now. And um, those community colleges have uh, much more uh, severe problems uh, than Napa Valley College. And I think that um, perspective is important. Um, the college is not going anywhere. Uh, we will continue to support our community as normal. Um, But the fact is, is our fiscal and operational health will only get worse if we do not act quickly on FICMAT's recommendations. We received a moderate grade, which means that if we do the work outlined in the FICMAT report, um, the college will be on the road to fiscal and operational sustainability. And we can get there, um, but we need to act quickly now if we wanna get there. There's a lot of benefits that comes from that and acting quickly. Um, Increased budget reserves, an opportunity, I think very importantly, in in talking with many uh, constituent groups to increase pay to our faculty, staff, and administrators. Um, Ultimately, that's something I think that everybody wants, um, but we can't get there and get to that that point um, if we don't take these recommendations seriously and and move forward with implementation. Of course, uh, the board, uh, you know, has to recognize, um, how we got here. And, um, I think we all have, um, but we also at the same point, commit ourselves to not letting the district get in this position again, and um, we've all learned of some important lessons. Um, I know as uh, speaking on behalf of myself, um, you know, I've learned more in the past, I think four or five months than my previous, you know, three years on the board. Um, And I know my colleagues as well. And I'm not just speaking colleagues on the, on the board Um, from all constituent groups. I've, I've, I've talked with many, many folks who realize things that we all could have been doing better, Um, but we're here and we're looking to move, move forward. I think as a a board, we certainly acknowledge um, how difficult um, the last um, couple months has been for everyone, especially um, when we're talking about people's jobs and their livelihoods. And uh, you'll hear more, um, I believe, next week or in the uh, next few weeks, a uh, couple weeks um, from cabinet and, and Dr. Frost's office about how we're going to be moving forward based on the res- uh, responses to the SERP, um, which is on the board's agenda tonight and has, has been uh, seen some success. And um, right now, our job as members of the board of trustees is to lead the district forward. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, to that end, the board has asked, for a commitment um, from Dr. Frost and Cabinet to put together uh, a management action plan to execute FICMAT's recommendations and for regular updates on that plan and a timeline for implementation that can go towards our next uh, and and our next uh, interim uh, or next uh, superintendent president can, can follow. But ultimately these recommendations will include areas where we are deficient right now as a college um, and that includes recommendations on creating systems for checks and balances for budget development and spending that holds everybody accountable and provides transparency, uh, providing more detailed budget and staffing information to effectively monitor the college's fiscal health. Uh, another significant area is, is improving our governance processes that you know, really just don't uh, support responsive and timely decision-making when things need to get done. We need to break through the bureaucracy, so to speak. Uh, The district's ability to make and execute on these recommendations will make sure that we never get in this type of situation. Again, I am confident about that and just as importantly, it'll allow the district to expand our programs and um, really, I think, improve the the quality of life for, for all of our our faculty, administrators, um, staff and students. And that's really um, what we're here to do. I I wanna be clear that this is not just a a board decision. This is not just a board mandate. We really need and want and invite everybody to the table. I don't think we had an opportunity to do that in the past is have everybody at the table um, for reasons I'm gonna move on and and look forward and, and be forward thinking about, but we really do want everybody to be at the table Um, And that's really the only way to ensure the success for the college um, and all of its constituents, uh, constituent groups, and for most importantly, our students. And I know that's um, why everybody is here. So um, with that moving forward, I do have, I think some very, very exciting news in talking about the pathway forward Um, is agenda item 7.1. And it's a consideration to enter into an employment agreement and I will read some legal language right now, um, is prior to considering this matter as required by government code section 54953. I am providing an oral summary of the recommendation regarding the salary and fringe benefits under the proposed contract. The district is entering into an employment agreement with Torrance Powell as superintendent president beginning July 1, 2022 through June 30, 2024. The superintendent president will receive a monthly salary of nineteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. The salary will be prorated for any partial month of service. The superintendent president shall be entitled to receive the same fringe benefits as the administrative confidential employee group. Um, Catherine, is there any public comment on action item seven point one?
1: No, I have received none, and I see no hands raised.
0: Thank you. Well, I would gladly welcome a motion uh, to approve this contract for our next superintendent president. Dr. I move to approve. Baldini second. Thank you, Trustee Goff. And thank you, Trustee Baldini. I'll do a roll call vote. Student Trustee Soto Gonzalez. Aye. Thank you. Trustee Baldini.
4: Aye.
0: Trustee Goff. Aye. Trustee Rios? Aye. Trustee Baker? Aye. Trustee DeLuna? Aye. Trustee Iverson? Aye. And I will vote a yippee, because that's how happy I am. Um, If um, anybody got an opportunity, Dr. Powell was uh, here for the Mariachi Festival uh, in the afternoon session. So I I know a few uh, folks got to to meet him in person. And he is uh, really excited um to be joining uh, the college community this uh, this summer and i know uh, i am as well and um i know the same for my colleagues on the board so welcome dr powell move to public comment uh, item eight this public uh, comment is an opportunity governed by the california ground act by definition this is an opportunity to hear concerns perspectives and differing vantage points the board is not able under the Brown Act to engage in any level of conversation or discussion, but we look forward to this opportunity to gather community input. At this point, the board will devote up to 15 minutes to review comment to the board uh, regarding any subject not appearing on the agenda uh, for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction, no action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Each comment shall last no longer than three minutes. Catherine, do we have any public comment?
1: Yes, we do have a comment from Adrienne Boudreau. She said she wanted to read it, but I don't see her among the attendees. So it's posted here. Uh, I don't see any other hands raised. Well,
0: why don't I, if she wants to read it, I'll go ahead and read it for...
1: Okay, she just wanted, she said the first part. So I'll
0: open it. I'm not sure what part. Actually, that'd be good. Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and read it just to, since she she mentioned that she wanted, even though she's not here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give me one second, I'm expanding my screen. I'm uh, to our NVC president, vice presidents and board of trustees. I would like to offer public comment regarding the return to campus directive shared via email on March 25, 2022 with the caveat that every department office on campus is different and I can only speak directly to my experience as classified staff working within the Writing Success Center. A WSD, I would also like to state that I'm currently working 100% of my scheduled hours in person. If you are not aware of the Writing Center, what it does, or that it even exists, please review the information included at the end of the document. I do not expect the president or board of trustees to know the minutiae of WSC operations, but please trust that those w- who work there do. Given our current data, a return to campus edict seems uncomplete or completely necessary, unnecessary at this time, and may be, in fact, detrimental to students who utilize WSC's tutoring and workshop services. The president and VPs have offered no explanation for or evidence for supporting a change like this mid-semester. Students are not magically going to appear on campus when more when most courses are online and they have been accessing our remote services successfully since spring 2020. While there was some leeway given to our supervisors, certain areas with low staffing are going to require fewer employees to fill the in-person hours demanded. This will cause an unfair and undue burden on them when other departments with more staff members will have more flexibility and less personal arrangements that need to be made to alter their schedules. We are down to two full-time positions in the WSC and I will be resigning at the end of the month. Given our staff makeup, the duty to open any additional hours would inequitably inequitably fall to our remaining classified staff, while faculty and student tutors are able to continue working remotely. But most importantly, converting to a hybrid schedule without adequate preparation time to modify your facilities and test center arrangements and connectivity, including procuring new devices like headsets, Rearranging computers or workstations and adding sound barriers will negatively impact the WSC's ability to provide the high quality service our students have come to expect. In addition, a rushed return to campus now when staffing shortages will likely cause inconsistent service both in-person and online would only cause more challenges for students and open us to more complaints. NVC uh, students need us to need us the most at this point in the semester changing the schedule um, our web-based appointment system would cause confusion and impede their ability to make appointments and use our services in the manner that they are accustomed we have worked tirelessly over the past two years to continue to expand our offerings with student experience and satisfaction at the forefront of every decision this directive runs counter to all that work and is incredibly frustrated personally and professionally on a more positive note i genuinely believe a thoughtful Universal opening in the fall could help reinvigorate the campus community. It would be amazing to be able to host events at this time to welcome students and staff back. A rebranding of MVC, if you will. Thank you, Adrian Boudreaux, Administrative Assistant, WSC.
1: Catherine, is there any more? Yes. Uh, Trustee Dodd, we have, let me see, him. Malcolm DeSees. Okay.
0: Can you please admit him?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Hi, Malcolm. I think we should be able to hear you. I can hear me. Yes. Thank you.
7: Sure. So, uh, Malcolm DeCies, as board president of Nap Valley College Foundation, um, just wanted to join for a few minutes to let everybody know. Um, Some of the amazing things going on at the foundation and just to kind of briefly um, talk about what our role is uh, for the college and how we support the staff and the students. So uh, we are the the nonprofit fundraising arm of the college, and even though we're a separate entity um, that is not directly governed by um, the trustees, we are here to support the students and the college and help to raise money for capital projects um, and historically uh, scholarships for uh, the college. And every year we give out hundreds of thousands of dollars of grants and scholarships um, to students and uh, also on an as needed basis uh, for other students. We also um, work to fund the uh, McPherson Distinguished Teaching Award Um, that will be given out soon. And so uh, between the wine spectator gift of $10 million, which was announced in the fall, we also have an incredibly generous estate gift um, by, by a woman, a benefactor here in Napa, as well as other things in the pipeline. So I think Um, As far as as the foundation is concerned, um, we've grown tremendously in the past couple of years to be able to support the college, uh, the trustees, the president's office, and most importantly, the students um, to be able to bring not only new facilities to the forefront, Um, but also to continue to improve um, equipment supplies and uh, be able to modify programs to meet the needs um, of the college students so we have incredible things going on um, at at the foundation office Uh, our executive director jessica thompson has continued to um, be able to to network and and be able to deliver incredible gifts on our behalf um, and just want to share some some really great news and enthusiasm from um, your, your fundraising arm, the Napa Valley uh, College Foundation.
0: Thank you very much, Malcolm, and thank you for all the wonderful work the foundation does. Um, you guys have had an incredible incredible couple of years. I know that's it uh, that takes a lot of hard work at that that type of commitment from uh, community and individual and, and um, those generous people who have given to the college and the students doesn't happen overnight. And, and, and it's really been incredible. I think that's still um, the, the, the main word that comes to mind. is incredible. So thank you. And thank you for for talking this evening. Absolutely. Thank you. Catherine, do we have any more?
1: I do not see any other hands raised. Uh, Dixie Larson wa- said she wanted to speak, but I don't see her hand raised. Yeah.
0: I don't, I'll give it, I'll speak very slowly. Let's see if she wants to. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll close up a general public comment um, and move on to um, an information item 9.1, the annual report state of the college. Dr. Frost?
8: I'm I'm pleased to share the 2020, 2021 annual report with you. Now, I know some of you may be wondering, was Dr. Frost here at that time? He was not. But apparently it's the president's role here to to do the report. I do wanna give a shout out to Holly Dawson. Uh, She does an amazing job day in, day out. And this product is largely her work and in some ways our report to the community as well. So I'm gonna read through and just give you a quick briefing. This won't take but but three to five minutes at the most. Um, So we have the inside cover page. It's not intended to be a complete report. Uh, Trustee Jennifer Baker's letter touches on the challenges we faced and the resilience that we saw in our staff and our students. And as she shares, it was a year of introspection and evaluation. Moving to pages two and three, um, of course, an annual report is always a combination of numbers and stories. Here, we share stats on our students as well as support services um, our student student affairs team provided. And of course, even when at that time, the entire college was working remotely. Going to pages four and five at our 2021 commencement, combination of a drive-through car commencement, and a videotaped graduation ceremony brought everyone together to celebrate the success of our students. On six and seven, we awarded our first two LGBT studies degrees. And here you see Kyler Thompson. I think you're ahead of me there, one. Um, uh, That's okay. I just don't want to pass by Kyler Thompson and Sidney Kalpinen too fast. Um, Kyler was... uh, also coordinated our basic needs center and has aspirations to someday open a youth center. Whereas, whereas Sydney studied respiratory therapy at Napa Valley college while she got knocked down several times along the way, she persevered and got her dream job as a neonatal pediatric respiratory ther- therapist at the prestigious Mayo clinic. So I want to make sure we gave ample time to our students there on pages eight and nine. <clears throat> Our STEM students were selected to be a part of the NASA Space, space Suit User Interface Technologies for Students' Artemis Student Challenge team. Um, <clears throat> and of course, we continued to celebrate the performing arts even as we couldn't be on the traditional stage. On pages 10 and 11, our performing arts team brought a chorus line and a night of the living dead. To the digital stage and dr christina howell found a way to allow the choir to continue by starting a car choir in our parking lot so that's pretty cool i hadn't seen that elsewhere on 12 and 13 our athletic department had to cancel the majority of our intercollegiate athletic events due to the pandemic but we were able to resume men's golf and baseball in spring 21 albeit with reduced schedules and intense COVID-19 testing protocols in place. Uh, moving to 14 and 15, we celebrated our employees, including the three recipients of the 2021 McPherson Distinguished Teaching Award, the Administrator of the Year, I believe that was Maria Gomez, and uh, and the Ed Shank Excellence Award. Um, and the print is too small, but I'm Renee, Renee Rubio. Uh, received that award. Moving to 16 and 17, uh, our fiscal snapshot, our fiscal situation was not ideal, um, but we shared how our initiatives corresponded to our six strategic goals on these two pages. 18 and 19, the Napa Valley College's Beta Beta Sigma chapter of the Phi Theta Kappa received an honors in action grant and students organized a canned food drive for students in need, provided face masks and hand sanitizer to NVC's food basket, and rented a billboard to remind the community of the CDC's pandemic hygiene practices and social distancing and face mask requirements. We used CARE and HERF funds to provide emergency relief to students, and we made a commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion by hiring senior direct, a senior director to help guide and shape our DEI efforts. And there's Patricia Leoward-Bunsemme there on the right uh, on 19. Page page 20 and 21, Uh, Napa Valley was one of 18 California community colleges chosen to work with the Institute for Evidence Self-Based Change to launch the Caring Campus Initiative with our classified staff. And the Napa Valley College Foundation awarded 150 students with $176,000 in scholarships. So again, the report only scratches the surface of uh, all the contributions and accomplishments of our staff, faculty, and students. While I wasn't here in 2021, I'm proud to be able to share this report with you and uh, celebrate with you the the, great wins of this college. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Frost, appreciate it. We'll move to item 10.1 CCCT elections. Um, on conferring with our esteemed trustee, Inez de Luna, who is uh, proposed uh, we've proposed her name as a, as a candidate for the board election, speaking about kind of general strategy in terms of uh, uh, best opportunity to give Inez, uh, an a seat on the board what we're going to do and i'd recommend is that we would just uh nominate anez out of uh the i think uh six or seven candidates happy to discuss that more but um outside of that uh, if not i would welcome a motion so
9: yeah. move
0: baldini second trustee iverson thank you trustee baldini thank you trustee iverson is there um any discussion Seeing none. A- and and let me just take a step back because i I didn't call for it right now is there any public comment on this item excuse me
1: uh i received none and i see no hands raised
0: okay thank you catherine Mm -hmm. i will do a roll call vote student trustee soto gonzalez aye trustee baldini aye trustee goff
6: aye
0: trustee rios aye trustee baker aye trustee deluna
10: aye
0: can vote for yourself trustee iverson Aye. And I'll vote aye as well. Thank you for doing it, Ness.
10: Yeah, thank you, everybody.
0: Good luck. Uh, yeah, item 10.2, resolution to appoint a representative and alternative representative to Northern California Community Colleges self-assurance authority. Catherine, is there any public comment on this item?
1: No, I have received none and I see no hands raised.
0: Okay, I welcome a motion.
1: So moved. Inos
11: second. that's
0: Elena and Trustee Baker with the second. Thank you very much. Is there any discussion? Gina, is there any public comment? Catherine, I keep on skipping that part. Excuse me.
1: Sorry. No, I've received none on this item and I see no hands raised.
0: I don't see any either. Well, I will call for a, a roll call and I will start with student trustee Soto Gonzalez.
4: Aye.
0: Trustee Baldini.
6: Aye.
0: Trustee Goff. Aye. Trustee Rios? Aye. Trustee Baker? Aye. Trustee DeLuna? Aye. Trustee Iverson? Aye. And I will vote aye as well. Moving on to information item 10.3, core inquiries from accreditation peer review team. Dr. Warnall, are you there?
1: I'm just bringing her in.
0: Wonderful. Thank you.
1: Click on the button. There we go. Is the presentation ready?
0: Yes. Dr. Warren, you can kick it off when you're ready to go. Take your time.
12: Okay, thank you. Um, so good evening, board. Uh, I'm here to present the core inquiries, which we received from our accreditation peer review team last month. The document containing the core inquiries is attached to this agenda item. Uh, advance the slide, please, Catherine. Thank you, uh, so tonight I will be providing some additional context for the core inquiries based on information from the ACCJC. And that context includes how the core inquiries fit into the comprehensive review process, their purpose and structure, and what we should be doing between with them between now and the focus site visit in October. I will also present MVC's six core inquiries along with a summary overview of them and I will describe some general activities that are planned between now and the focus site visit. Next slide. Uh, So to provide context for the core inquiries from the ACCJC's perspective, I have drawn from some resources provided by the ACCJC, including a few slides that were presented during the training session that Dr. Catherine Webb offered us back in early February. So the graphic in this slide describes the comprehensive review process. The process, as everyone knows by now, uh, begins with self-reflection during the ICER development process. The peer review process now includes two distinct phases, the team ICER review and the focused site visit. The team ICER review represents the formative part of the peer review process, and the core inquiries are the deliverable from that formative review. The focus site visit, which will occur in October, represents the summative part of the peer review process. And the team report that is presented to the commission will be the deliverable from the summative review. Finally, based on the team's report, the commission will take action on MVC next January. And the commission's decision will be based on the report that the team completes in the fall following the focus site visit. As, su- as shown by this graphic, member institutions are expected to demonstrate an ongoing commitment to improvement and institutional excellence at all times. And that's both within and outside of the comprehensive review process. And I wanna underscore the the, the ongoing uh, commitment to improvement and excellence shown in this slide as that commitment is fundamental to accreditation and the court inquiries provide an opportunity for NVC to demonstrate and document that commitment between now and October. Next slide, please. Uh, The core inquiries are the result of the formative portion of the process, which the team completes based on their review of our ICER and all evidence submitted with it. The peer review team provides the core inquiries to help guide our work between now and the site visit, and they're communicating what they would like to discuss with us, that is, what we will explore together during the focus site visit. The core inquiries identify areas that require additional attention or additional information beyond what was included in the ICER. They identify areas where the team needs more information to help clarify MBC's practices so that they can complete their evaluation, including identifying areas of recommendation and commendation. In some cases, MBC might already have clarifying evidence on hand, or what already exists might simply need to be reconfigured to demonstrate our practices more clearly. In other cases, addressing the core inquiries will require further discussion, refinement, or documentation of practices, and development and implementation of improvement plans. Uh, From the ACCJC's perspective, the core inquiries are a gift. Uh, That's the word that they used to describe them. I guess that's maybe a theme tonight. I know that uh, Trustee Dodd mentioned the uh, FICMAT report also uh, being a gift. Um, So the core inquiries are a gift and they're intended to help us prioritize and implement improvements between now and October. So they really provide guidance to help us stay on course and focus our work between now and October. Next slide, please. Uh, So, this slide from the ACCJC describes the content and structure of each core inquiry. The core inquiries attached to this agenda item follow the structure described here. Uh, So, each core inquiry begins with one or two sentences identifying the area requiring further clarification or discussion, and then citing the relevant ACCJC standards or policies. And I should note that MBC's court inquiries do not contain any citations of ACCJC policies. They're just uh, related to the standards. The next section contains a description of the team's observations, including specifics regarding what they would like to learn or understand about our practices and any gaps that they perceive and any areas of concern that might need attention. Um, I would describe these descriptions as the uh, heart of the core inquiry document uh, for each in- core inquiry. Uh, and then finally, each core in- inquiry outlines the topics that the team would like to discuss their- during their visit, their requests for additional evidence, or what they expect or hope to see during their visit and then specific interview requests. And so, those last three items um, really provide additional information to help us interpret the perspective of the team that's summarized in the description section and give ideas for where to begin in terms of collecting and developing additional evidence. Next slide, please. Uh, so, as conveyed, again, by the ACCJC, we should be using the core inquiries to prepare for the focus site visit to position ourselves as well as possible for the summative review. That includes reviewing and reflecting on the core inquiries and identifying any so-called easy items that can be addressed as soon as possible. And that might include, for example, um, evidence that already exists but that wasn't cited within the ICER. We should document all progress in areas associated with the core inquiries and compile additional evidence to show that progress. And finally, we need to deliver what is called a college update to the team at least two weeks prior to the focus site visit. Next slide. The ACCJC has developed a template for the college update and um, that's uh, presented here um, in a very streamlined version. Um, So, the first two sections of the update, and that's the first two rows of the table that are presented here, um, the content of those first two rows are pulled um, directly from the core inquiries document itself, the one that we received last month. Um, The remaining sections then provide a high-level summary of what has been done relative to each core inquiry. Um, As indicated here, we will describe any improvements, changes in process, results, or outcomes, or discussions and reflections that have occurred in areas associated with each core inquiry. The description is limited to 300 words and this limit is intended to convey the expectation that we should be spending our energy acting on the court inquiries um, through discussion, collecting evidence, et cetera, rather than spending lots of times writing the update. Um, so uh, again, the ACCJC really emphasizes that the college update is not a mini ICER. It's a very focused high level summary um, to provide the team with a status report and help them prepare for the focus site visit. Uh, in the next section, we will list all of the evidence submitted with the college update, so that's just a list of documents. And then finally, we have the opportunity to share additional information or context for the core inquiry, and this section is also limited to 300 words, so very focused and streamlined just like the uh, focus site visit will be. Um, so I'm sharing this template with you to show where we are going and what we're expected to provide the team prior to their visit in the fall. And I'm gonna turn to the specifics of the core inquiries that we received from our team. So next slide, please. Thank you. Um, So we received six core inquiries from the team and there are more details provided um, on this slide and uh, in the core inquiries document itself. But briefly, the inquiries pertain to the following six areas, Uh, professional development, the use of data in planning and the integration of planning and decision making, regular review and evaluation of policies and practices uh, and processes, um, employee evaluation, resource management, and finally leadership and governance. Uh, Generally speaking, I would say that these reflect the areas for improvement that we self-identified in the ICER. Those include, just to refresh your memory, uh, the integration of planning and budget practices, and those were outlined in our improvement plan A. The regular evaluation of practices including an evaluation of effectiveness, and that was conveyed in improvement plan B, resource management and allocation, and that was particularly with regard to standards 3C and 3D, and uh, participatory governance structures, which are discussed within our own improvement plan C. Uh, One feature of a successful review process is that the team's findings tend to reinforce or reflect what the institution already knew about itself. So it's good that the areas that the team identified generally reflect what was in the ICER. However, I would say that the team does provide some additional perspective into our practices. uh, And I would also say that we have considerable work to do in some areas. The core inquiries uh, document some additional insights and particularly telegraphing in terms of some larger areas of concern. And here I would point uh, in particular to core inquiries five and six. Uh, So next slide, please. Uh, So MVC's core inquiries cite 43 of the 120 accreditation standards that apply to single campus districts. So our focused site visit might include exploration of approximately one third of the standards. Uh, the description for each core inquiry identifies between two and 10 areas that require additional clarification. And while core inquiries one and four, for example, um, include dis- descriptions of two areas each, core inquiries five and six pertain to nine and 10 areas respectively. Um, so, I cite the number of descriptions to highlight some differences between the core inquiries. Um, Some core inquiries are more focused and might be directly addressed by by specific areas of the organization, while others require more foundational discussions across the institution. And as suggested by the differences across the core inquiries, the nature and format of the update for each inquiry will vary. While some might have concrete evidence of improvements in the form of new documentation um, describing processes and outcomes, others might have descriptions of ongoing discussion as the highest order of evidence available at that time. Uh, As I was preparing these slides, I recalled a statement that Dr. Stephanie Droker, who was the former president of the ACCJC, um, a statement that she made and shared with the uh, MVC's task force last fall as we were drafting, The letter to respond to being placed on enhanced monitoring. And at that time, and within the context of our annual fiscal report, Dr. Droker said that the ACCJC recognizes that it took a while for us to get into the current fiscal situation, and it will take a while for us to get out of it. And her words continue to resonate with me as I review some of the larger core inquiries, including core inquiry six, which includes portions of standards 4A, B, and C pertaining to decision-making roles and processes, the CEO, and the governing board. In the coming months, we will document what we have done to improve already, as well as what we accomplish over the next several months, and how we intend to do things uh, from this point forward. Next slide. Uh, So this final slide outlines some work already underway and what is planned in the coming months. The core inquiries have been shared with the campus community via email and posting on the website. Accreditation co-chair Jim McGowan and I convened some study groups to begin reflecting on core inquiries one through five a couple of weeks ago. And those were framed as initial conversations to begin unpacking the inquiries to identify existing evidence and to brainstorm what might be done to position MVC for the focus site visit. Uh, Those initial conversations were quite fruitful and helped inform the approach that MVC will take to address the core inquiries. Uh, We will be reconvening the Accreditation Steering Committee to keep that uh, group apprised of progress, so uh, FYI, Trustee DeLuna. And uh, between now and the fall, we will document our progress, implement improvements, engage in discussions, collect evidence, and draft the college update. In the fall, we will finalize the update and prepare for the focus site visit. And the update and all associated evidence will be submitted to the ACCJC the week of September 19th. And the final slide is indicates that I have. I'm happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you, Dr. Leno. Are there any questions from the board? Catherine, do we have any p- public comment on this item too?
1: No, I haven't received any and I don't see any hands raised. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Dr. Warner, I had I had one question about item. You you put emphasis on items five or core inquiries five and six. Was that just mm-hmm. by the nature of just the amount of information that the request uh, to, to those specific inquiries? Is that why you were you were highlighting those particular
12: um so I think well items? I think that the the number of um of components that they have in their description is uh, one indicator. But um, so, as an example, I'll compare it. I think it's core inquiry four that's about employee evaluation, and that mostly involves that that's heavily, uh, well, if not exclusively, it's very heavily um, driven by administrators, and it's particularly <clears throat> in the area of administrators evaluating other administrators or confidential staff or um, classified staff. And so that's something that you know might involve a limited number of administrators across the institution. I'm not really sure myself at this point, but that's we did receive, um, by the way, a a similar uh, recommendation the last time around, and we were required to address that through a follow-up report. So that's we have experience doing that, and it's pretty um, easy to identify the folks that need to to be involved in uh, rectifying that. So I would say that um, both core inquiry five and six are different from that. Uh, We know from both the FICMAT report and then the list of, I think, the nine items that the team will want to explore with us um, for core inquiry five, um, we have a a lot of work and some of that might be focused on the the, um, budgeting practices that would be confined to the um, business office or the responsibility of the business office, but not all of them are only reside there, right, in terms of of making it relatively easy target or easy um, to rectify um, the situation. Uh, And then I would say, um, you know, the the 10 descriptions within uh, uh, Core Inquiry 6 are are very um, telling, I would say. And I think that, you know, we need to engage in some um, very broad institutional conversations. Um, As I mentioned, they span um, standards 4A, B, and C. And so there are lots of players, uh, if not, you know, all constituent groups and the board and the CEO are all involved uh, in in those standards. And I think that um, some of the work that needs to be done um, is uh, in regard to our institutional culture. And so that and that's, uh, you know, part of the reason I wanted to remind everyone of what Dr. Droker had said last fall is that they recognize that some of these practices are um, well established and have been with us for a while. And it's going to take a while to explore and come up with different structures possibly, um, or different practices to address the core
0: inquiries. Thank you. Thank you. Did you think, you know, we talked about having kind of a, a, an implementation plan, a management operations plan, kind of moving based on FICMAT's recommendations. I mean, would that be helpful evidence for the core inquiries five and six?
12: Absolutely, and I, I'm glad that, that you said that you view the FICMAT um, as, report as a gift. I, I absolutely, I thought that, you know it provides a lot more, specific detail, right? And and I want to point out the difference between um, the FICMAT team and where we are in terms of our own accreditation processes in in that the FICMAT team came and interviewed folks and has a lot more um, detail, right, right, as a result of that. And so then, so their report contains um, a lot more, you know, kind of steps and um, details in terms of what needs to be done to um, help and, you know, some very concrete suggestions, which I think is great. And I think the more that we can follow that plan, particularly between now and October, it will just position us all, you know, put us in better stead in terms of our um, focus site visit.
0: Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. I see no other hands up from my colleagues. Um, Dr. Warnall, thank you. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. We'll move on to an um, action item 11.1. Curriculum changes uh, spring of 2022. Catherine, is there any um, public comment on this item?
1: No, I have received none and I see no hands raised. Well, move approval. Thank you. Trustee And was that
0: Baker trustee Baker the second? Yes. Thank you. Any discussion? Seeing none, I will do a roll call. Student Trustee Soto Gonzalez. Aye. Trustee Baldini. Aye. Trustee Goff.
1: Aye.
0: Trustee Rios. Aye. Trustee Baker.
4: Aye.
8: Trustee Deluna. Trustee Deluna, you there? I see you here.
10: Sorry, I was looking. Yes, I. <laughs> I didn't
0: know it was on mute. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, trustee Iverson. Aye. And I'll vote I as well. The 11.2 faculty sabbatical request, 2022-23 year. Catherine, is there any public comment?
1: No, I have received none, and I see no hands raised. We do have uh, Dr. Sarah Parker here if you have any questions. Thank you, and thank
0: you for pointing that out. Um, I welcome a motion.
9: We'll any move approval.
0: Is there a second?
1: Second.
0: From Trustee Baker, thank you. Any discussion? I, I have a question. Thank you. Go ahead, Trustee Reyes.
1: So I'm just
2: wondering. I, I'm I totally believe in the the reasons for the sabbaticals and and the benefit uh, to the faculty and, and ultimately to the students. I just want to know how does this affect us if it does in any way with our current situation on our um, apparently being you know overstaffed uh, or having I forget how many 39 staff or faculty more than um, we should. Does this have any effect on that, um, you know, fiscally or, or otherwise? Parker? For the first,
13: yeah. Um, so in terms of our, our staffing levels, this won't have an impact because this sort of takes uh, Dr. Clemens and Dr. Amato out away from the campus for the time that they're on their sabbatical and pursuing their projects. Um, But we did, this was a point of conversation in cabinet. And also I followed up with the Dean who happens to be over both of the areas where the individuals would be taking the sabbaticals. Um, So we're really purposeful in including language in our budget development process this year that the approval of these sabbaticals would not add in any way to the overall academic affairs budget that would be net neutral so there is some savings from a year long sabbatical just in and of itself Um, and then other additional savings can be identified elsewhere in the budget not necessarily in those areas but elsewhere to accommodate the ability to support this priority for faculty professional learning.
2: Thank you Dr. Parker.
0: Baldini.
9: Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, Dr. Parker, will we be seeing a presentation when they return? I, I'm sure there's some on the board that would be interested in uh, uh, what Dr. Clemens has to say. And, and Buck's just uh, very close to us.
13: I, I'm i thrilled that you would be interested in having a presentation. I'm sure that the uh, professors going the sabbatical would be excited to come and present what they've uh, studied and learned as well. So I will make sure that we follow through on that. And we also have faculty on sabbatical this year. So if that's something of interest to you, I believe it's written into the process, but I haven't had the opportunity to be here at the college when that's been done, given that our uh 1920 sabbaticals were pushed to this year.
9: Yes, thank you. I would enjoy hearing from present and uh, the future. Thank you.
0: see another no hands up we'll do a, a roll call vote a student trustee soto gonzalez aye trustee baldini aye trustee goff aye trustee rios aye trustee baker aye trustee Deluna. luna aye trustee iverson aye i'll vote aye as well uh, move on to our consent calendar item 12.1 Catherine is there any public comment on the consent
1: no I have not received any and I see no hands raised
0: okay I'd welcome a motion for approval
2: I have a, a question that I don't know if I should ask this beforehand but I have a question on the uh, human resources document um there is on, um, I think it's number three, the, um, non-academic extra pay. Um, it shows about, I think 30 people listed, um, for counselor training, uh, or trainees. Um, and I wanted to, to get a little clarification on, on this and how it impacts our our budget and, um, you know, is this covered and and just I want to understand a little bit more. It it seemed it really jumped out to me that we had about 30 people uh, as trainees for as counselors.
8: Dr. Parker, are you still there? I don't know if that, that's- I important. can speak to that for a minute. And Oscar DeArro may want to jump in here at any point, Oscar, I'd be happy to have you describe further. Oscar and I talked about this uh, this morning, there were several trustee questions. Uh, I described having the same questions, why? Because this is a little bit different than how I've done it at other colleges. At other colleges, we would ordinarily prepare person by person uh, very specific hours for uh, special assignments in the summer. <clears throat> Napa Valley College does it a little bit different. They do a basically a blanket approval, but it's not that everyone is going to work all of these hours. Quite the opposite. You, the, you actually get a view of what the maximum spending could be if everyone worked all the hours possible. And it, it gives early authorization so that we can be more nimble when opportunities come up over the summer or challenges come up over the summer and we need to bring people in on, <clears throat> on short notice. They're pre-approved. Uh, and so while well, it, it could be a maximum of $90,000 was my estimate, in reality, you end up spending way less um, by, uh, by the actual hours worked. But I see Oscars on and on mic, so let me. Uh, let yes, him... thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, basically, what this is is
14: that it's it's compilation of, of, uh, of those staff members in our counseling department who, who, who are eligible or maybe available uh, to partake in activities specifically. For uh, for example, we will be doing outreach activities over the summer. I know that there's an activity uh, that's being organized by the Gross Foundation, uh, De La Familia. And usually we have two or three or counselors uh, that attend that, that function to, to give out information um, uh, during that, that day. Uh, it's also for special projects. Uh, usually we, we find out uh, as we, as we uh, get near to, to the summer period, there's some special projects that, uh, that need to be done. And so from the list here, the 30 individuals, uh, we get volunteers, uh, those who may be available. Uh, but ultimately, the, the decision to, to offer any assignment, any extra assignment, these are not hours of counseling. So it's not the uh, student co- contact time. It's simply projects, uh, so outreach activities, things of that nature that, that that may arise. And we have a list of individuals uh, from whom we can choose and or ask to, uh, to partake. Uh, the ultimate, ultimately, the, uh, the senior deal of counseling makes a decision in in terms of who's going to take on that assignment now I will say that last summer uh, as is most summers we hardly spend any funds at all uh, again these are just the the maximums that someone may be eligible to receive but uh, in my recollection uh, in the last three four years we haven't used pretty much uh, none of these funds if, if so it's been very very little but again it's it's a compilation of lists of eligible counselors and adjuncts who who may be uh, asked to engage in certain special projects during the summer. So my uh, my estimate of this was was uh, about
2: $90,000 too. So no, the, the other part of my question is, how does that affect, does this skew our budget in any way? Um, is that about 90,000? Is that shown in our budget? I mean, one of the... Uh, um, issues that's been raised in, in all of these investigations and, and looking at our um, fiscal health and, and our budget has been I think one of the things was that we weren't using actual numbers in our budget that we were using, you know, projections, um, but not going back and looking at our actuals and using that in the formulation of the budget for the following year. Um, so what happens to this 90,000? I mean, is it in, a bud- in our budget and it stays there? I mean, if we've hardly ever used any of this, um, why are we not um, using numbers that are, are closer to the actual?
14: Good point, and maybe maybe uh, Jim can insist. Uh, but again, uh, these are numbers that are used. It's, it's a format that, that we've used over the last 10, 15 years in terms of Preparing any need that we may have during the summertime by our counselors and 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 adjuncts. Uh, but as far as the money showing up in the in the budget, uh, my understanding is that is that it does not show uh, only when the actual IS made. And again, based on the uh, based on the recommendation and based on the on the paperwork that submitted um, as we get close to the summertime period.
2: Okay. I, I don't know if Jim's on. I was just wondering if he could speak to that, how it shows up on the budget
14: or whether it does or doesn't. Sure.
15: Uh, first of all, um, Oscar, are these all Fund 11 expenses?
14: Yes. Uh, my understanding is that uh, yes, I believe they are. Mm-hmm.
15: If, if they currently sit in the budget at the, and I, I don't know the specific answer to this, if they currently sit in the budget at X number, I doubt is $90,000. What I would recommend, however, is that we put a ceiling on total expense for, for this work so we have, a, we have a, a firm budget number moving forward. So while this represents 90, um, the total, uh, it should not exceed X dollars, uh, Oscar, as we prepare the budget, whether that be 30 or whatever the realistic expectation for, for supporting that student service is.
10: That's how I understood it, right, Oscar, that it goes to, this is the most that we would want to spend and then as we um, spend it or go through it, then um, we actually approve the actual expenditures and then that comes through in our actual um, actuals report
14: when we do that. That's my understanding, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Trustee Goff, I see your hand up.
6: Yeah, I was wondering, um, Oscar, do you, Anticipate ever using this many people over the summer, or are you required <clears throat> to list all those people that could possibly be? And if you don't, what's the average that you actually use uh, in one summer? Because this can't be the first time, right?
14: No, correct. And and as, as I mentioned, <clears throat> I don't have the the exact amount that we right. used last summer, but uh, but from the information that I have from from the yeah. department, it was very little. Um, mm-hmm. And again, yes, you're right correct. This, this is a list that, that, that we compiled of the possible or the eligible uh, or the available uh, staff that may be called upon. And again, it's not what what they would like to do. It's based on an assessment of, of, of the activity, the request, and then the approval of it. And of course, funding as well.
6: So it sounds like you have to list everybody who might work, but in reality, if this was truly a reflection of the budget, it would be, you might need six to 12 people on this job, but for some reason you have to list all the people who might be eligible for that job, is that correct?
14: Yes, correct,
6: yes. Is there any way to change that? So when we get this, um, you know, somehow list them, but then kind of when you do the the, um, pay, it would be more along the lines but it's going to be a cost between this number and this number kind of like what jim was saying about you know have a cap on it could we do something like that just so it's yeah. clear
14: yeah and in fact what i could do is, is I could look back in the last uh three years and see mm-hmm. what the average uh, right. cost has been and use that as a as, as a guide to 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 request right. not to exceed x
8: amount of dollars right right thank you yeah and thanks beth good question dr Frost Uh, Just real briefly, I just want to applaud the board's asking questions in this manner. I mean, you have kind of three key responsibilities, and one of them is the fiscal well-being of the college. So this is exactly what a board should be doing. When you see examples like this, and of course, you know, Jim and Oscar and I are very comfortable with what we're doing here. When you when you ask those questions you open up reconsideration and you help us rethink about how to best report to you. So for example in the few, you could ask for a report on on how much of this money is actually spent for the fall and then you could direct Jim to where, where any leftover when it, where excess might might go next um, or ask Jim to report on such residuals, across the year because those could become a part of your consideration for growing the reserves of the college. So I applaud what you're doing and I think the uh, the direction you're giving us is good. Of course, I I support this the way it is right now, but I think you're already giving us some advice about how we might revise it for the year to come or even for the fall semester, if you want to follow up report. Costa Rios, do
0: you...
2: I, I think I'm okay with this now. I think as we move forward, I think it would be a little even a little bit more useful for us if we do these things we've just talked about, and that uh, Jim has recommended.
3: Yeah, I like the proposals that uh, Jim has recommended too. So okay.
0: <clears throat> My my only thought and I you know I guess I'm okay with that too but I, I'm also looking at you know this uh, next year and 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 Oscar will not be here with us too, and, and Dr. Frost won't be here with us too. so I'm just wondering if it's possible to have an update on this maybe moving forward and going ahead and prove it as part of consent but um, I don't know if there could be a follow up document in light of um, the comments received tonight that the board could review at its next uh, board
14: meeting absolutely yes.
0: Oh, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Um, okay. Well, then, um, are there a, uh, I probably should have pulled that from consent, but, um, in light, in light of, uh, that, that feedback, um, any other uh, changes to the consent, Wanted to pull anything. Okay. There was no public comment on consent, so I would, uh, request a, a motion for approval for approval. Anderson. Thank you. Second. Thank you, trustee Rios for the second and do a roll call. Student trustee Soto Gonzalez, aye, trustee Baldini, aye, trustee Goff, aye, trustee Rios, aye, trustee Baker, aye, trustee DeLuna, aye, trustee Iverson, aye, and I'll vote aye as well. And we will. Go to item thirteen point one, which is a, a action item. Catherine, is there any public comment on this?
1: No, I have not received any, and I don't see any hands raised.
0: Thank you. Is there a, a motion for approval?
1: Pauline, well, move approval.
9: Second,
4: Inez.
0: Thank you. Any discussion? Seeing no hands raised, uh, I'll do a roll call. Student trustee Soto Gonzalez? Aye. uh, Trustee Baldini?
4: Aye.
0: Trustee Goff? Aye. Trustee Rios? Aye. Trustee Baker? Aye. Trustee DeLuna? Aye. Trustee Iverson?
10: Aye.
0: And I'll vote aye as well. I think, Michael, you got a little excited when I called you a student trustee. (laughs) Me. <laughs> um, item 13.2 acceptance of uh, Union of Classified Professionals initial proposal for reopener. Catherine, is there any public comment?
1: No, I have not received any and I don't see any hands raised. Thank you.
0: I welcome a motion for approval. Move approval. Thank you, no Trustee
6: second. second, Goff.
0: Thank you, Trustee Goff. Any discussion? Seeing no hands. I'll do a roll call. Student trustee Soto Gonzalez. Aye. Trustee Baldini. Aye. Trustee Goff. Aye. Trustee Rios. Aye. Trustee Baker. Aye. Trustee DeLuna. Aye. Trustee Iverson. Aye. And I'll vote aye as well.
1: Trustee Dodd, could you uh, remind me who was the motion made by?
0: That would require someone with a very good memory. Uh, was I, it was trustee Rios, I, I,
1: I knew it was you the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, Trustee Rios, thank you.
0: Uh, action item 13.3, um, consideration and adoption of a resolution in the matter of establishing a supplemental employee retirement oh. program. Catherine, is there any public comment on this? Um, oh.
1: I went. Sorry, I went to the wrong item. Here oh, we are. Fine. And I'll probably uh,
0: ask Dr. Frost too or, or Jim just to maybe make a just a, a few comments if you don't mind. But um,
1: yeah, I, I have not received public comment, and I have no. I see no hands raised.
0: Okay. Jim, Rob, do you, would you guys might just. Uh, do uh, yes. make a, a few uh, comments on this, please. Just and as an will. introduction,
8: the one, thing, the one thing I would say is this is the third SERP that I have overseen for a California community college. It's a very standard uh, supplementary early retirement program. There's nothing exceptional about Napa Valley's program. Um, there's certainly nothing extreme or exorbitant. It's well within the boundaries of other colleges that I've seen. Um, we we got a very favorable response. We always want a few more than than favorable, but we're very happy with the results, and so uh, I'm very comfortable with what we're recommending to the board tonight. And I know Jim probably has a couple. Things to add.
15: We have uh, 15 participants. We had a, a little bit of a, a rush here at the end. Uh, 15 participants. Uh, contrary to what I said earlier, we have a five-year net savings of two million two hundred sixty three thousand eight hundred fifty one dollars. Um, so that's uh, certainly uh, I, I think a, an initial goal uh, was in that neighborhood. Uh, and so um, I would uh, echo Dr. Frost's recommendation that the board uh, consider and adopt. Sir.
0: And then is there an opportunity in terms of a, a, just a, the deadline for people if they still desire to opt in? And, and I yes. think what, what does this mean, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, so uh, are there?
8: We've had some very last minute interest uh, come in. And so I will talk to uh, Ms. Charo Albaran. And uh, I, I do believe that if people express interest immediately, meaning in the next couple of days, They'll 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 get in over the threshold and and be allowed to participate. So
0: it, the deadline is though. What's Monday. the date? Monday is the deadline. So yes. Five yeah. To
8: this. Yeah. So I do. Anybody listening that is very interested should definitely get their name in. It's not the kind of thing that we can roll forward openly. Um, we will have to close it. Um, and Charles, if she's if she's watching, she might be going like this, but. It, it's to our benefit if someone is, a, is a, uh, a day or two late. If we can get them, and we certainly will. Okay.
0: And in terms of, I think making uh, your decisions, I think we've talked about in your last uh, email, Dr. Frost, about you know probably providing some direction, um, some communication to the rest of the campus community. Know, I know. Uh, at least I recall that there was uh, from from cabinet was, you know, in terms of the callbacks and those decisions to be made uh, to administrators that I think that would happen uh, once, you know, I think a week or two weeks after, um, or shortly after the the SERP deadline.
8: Our our original commitment, which we will honor, was to make an announcement on the SERP in mid-April, and we will make an announcement on all administrators by the end of April. And if we, can, if we can make that any sooner, of course we will. We'll make it as soon as possible. As, as you know, Trustee Dodd, some of this does involve you know even board level discussions, but we're in those final phases. I know we have a memo prepared to go out to campus, I think early Monday morning, in fact. That will either announce all of the above or everything in the above and a slight extension on the last part of it. So we're, we're in that final phase right now. And I hope I answered your question I, I if I need to be You did. Specific. I think I just,
0: I, I want to be clear in terms of, I think, uh, and I see uh, uh, Trustee Baker with, with her hand up. Uh, Trustee Baker, please.
11: I just a quick question. Um, if we do have any last minute folks who decide to take advantage of this, would you be able to give us an updated uh, expected savings uh, before our next meeting?
0: Absolutely. Okay. And to, and I think maybe just I guess we're going to have a a, a budget uh, conversation on Fund Eleven, so maybe we can ask that question then. Um, okay. Um, we'll seeing no other hands raised. Um, I would uh, welcome a motion.
9: Move approval, Baldini.
11: Second.
0: Second from Trustee Baker. Uh, motion from Trustee Baldini and a second from Baker. I'll do a roll call. Uh, Student Trustee Soto-Gonzalez? Aye. Trustee Baldini? Aye. Trustee Goff? Aye. Trustee Rios? Aye. Trustee Baker? Aye. (laughs) Trustee DeLuna? Aye. Trustee Iverson?
1: Aye. I'll
0: vote aye as well. For item 14, uh, NVCPD Policy 706. AB 48, uh, 481 Equipment Report. Catherine, is there any public comment on this item?
1: Uh, I have received none and I see no hands raised. I did bring uh, Chief Amber Wade in to answer any questions. Okay.
0: Let's see, does the board have any uh, questions? Chief Wade, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We uh, would uh, see no questions for you, uh, but I welcome a motion. Excuse me, I, I
2: just have one quick question. Sorry, I was trying to take a drink. and <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Um, this, it looked to me like this didn't change anything we're already doing. Is that correct?
1: Correct, yes. Uh, it, it's
10: something we've had in place since 2018, and, and we've trained on it annually.
0: Thank you. And chief way more no, no real question, but just to comment, just thank you for kind of, I think that the diligence and the thoughtful kind of background and summary and, and, and the documents, all that support, it's clear. You have a lot of thought and a lot of attention into this. So thank you for that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Thank you. We'll see no other questions. I will welcome a motion for approval. I move approval. Thank you. Trustee Rios. I need a second.
9: Baldini a second.
0: Thank you, trustee Baldini for the second. Any discussion? Seeing none. I'll do a roll call. Student trustee Soto Gonzalez. Aye. Trustee Baldini. Aye. Trustee Goff. We'll go back to her. Trustee Rios. Aye. Trustee Baker. Aye. Trustee DeLuna. Aye. Trustee Iverson. I will vote aye as well. And and I'm moving back to uh, Trustee Goff.
6: Yes, I'm sorry, the wind is blowing where I am, so my internet is terrible, but I am an aye. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Trustee Goff. Um, right, motion approved. Move to um, information item 15.1, a first reading of uh, board policies. Catherine, is there any public comment?
1: No, I have uh, received no public comment on this, and uh, I see no hands raised.
0: Okay, thank you. And then I think just to be clear on this, really, these policies largely just exist already, but we're just breaking it up into three separate policies instead of consolidating them into one.
1: Yes, to match the numbering system advised by the policy service so that we can identify them clearly.
0: Great. Thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. Any questions?
0: comments thank you mr first reading so we'll move on to item 15.2
9: Move approval baldini
0: um, yeah okay second no thank you i actually wanted to do this slightly um we'll, we'll get through this quickly hon so excuse me um But we just have three items that have been, um, there's been recommendations from the Academic Senate, and that is uh, 4025 and 4100 and uh, 4110 honorary degrees. I just want to be clear that we're making, that motion is is based on those, approvals that we're making are are based on um, those findings in the record um, with respect to um, the additional language, not being uh, part of 10 plus one and more delegatory authority and not substantive. Is that that correct? Trustee Baldini?
9: That's correct.
0: Okay. And trustee Iverson for that second. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Any uh, uh, questions?
9: Just a comment. I am delighted to see this. I originally made a formal request in June of 2018, and I'm happy to see uh, he's uh, coming to before the board delighted. Thank you. Academic Senate and all those involved. Yeah, thank you.
0: Okay, well, we'll do a a roll call vote. Uh, Student trustee Soto Gonzalez. Aye. Trustee Baldini. Aye. Trustee Goff?
6: Aye.
1: Trustee Rios?
6: Aye.
1: Trustee Baker? Aye. Baker's got wind problems too. No, I just
11: had mouse problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. Trustee DeLuna? Aye. Trustee Iverson? Aye. And I'll vote aye as well. Thank you. Uh, Action item uh, 16.1, approved contract with Garland to re-roof building B at Upper Valley Campus. Catherine, is there any public comment?
1: No, I have not received any, and I don't see any hands raised.
0: I don't see any either. I would welcome a motion for approval.
1: Move approval.
9: Baldini, second.
1: Thank you
0: trustee Rios and trustee Baker I do see your hand up but trustee Rios with the motion and trustee Baldini with the second we'll call for some uh, trustee Baker go ahead.
11: I'm just trying to remember uh, back to when we were doing the lease with uh, the city of San Helena and I know that the part of the lease was going to pay for this is that was can somebody remind me is, is this being paid for directly by them or is this just roll this this, into the this cost? is the this
2: is the culinary building they don't have anything to do with it. Oh,
11: okay my my thank you for pointing that out i missed that part thank you.
0: thank you okay um seeing no other hands raised um i don't believe i actually called for any sort of public comment if i did i apologize already but just abundance of caution Catherine, is there any public comment no there is not thank you okay so we do have a, a motion on the floor and that's from Trustee rios in the second from from baldini
2: that's
9: correct
0: uh we'll do a roll call student trustee soto gonzalez aye trustee baldini aye trustee goff aye. Trustee Rios? Aye. Trustee Baker? Aye. Trustee Luna, Aye. Trustee Iverson? Aye. Although, aye as well. Information Item 16.2, 21-22, um, Unrestricted General Fund uh, 11, uh, Revenues and Expenditures Update. Jim, could you... Uh,
2: Good evening, keep,
15: keep us God off. members of the board. Uh, I'm gonna have Catherine Drive here. She's getting uh, really very good at it. So um, uh, you may recall this document. Uh, I think we're attempting to provide it uh, in the same format each month so we give you a sense of uh, uh, some familiarity. Let me just make an observation from the very outset. Oh, I have driving ability. Thank you, Catherine. The projection variance column here um, it, it, what I found very recently is that is a static um, column, it's not dynamic. If, you, if you're if you following along, you'll notice that the variances haven't changed uh, in a couple of months at least. So I need to do some work with my team to, um, to make that dynamic so you're seeing an actual variance. My advice to you and to my colleagues on campus is when this report is provided, that's certainly an area you want to look at to see how we're doing relative to our approved budget. Let me begin with to, uh, total revenues here. Uh, revenues are very predictable at this point, largely because they uh, they come from property taxes. So we're not seeing any variance here. These are our uh, the top column here is is um, the 33122 or our current year operations. It's important that you compare it to last year to kind of see where we are in each column relative to last year. One column over the left is audited, audited 2021 20, uh, numbers. That's a great baseline to look at when you're comparing. And, of course, one previous year and audited. So our revenues are, are on track. These are the realized revenues. We anticipate, uh, obviously, almost $20 million more before the end of the year to reach, to reach um, uh, our final budget revenue number. Let me point out uh, an interesting dynamic that's occurring here under total salaries. If you look at 33122, our total salaries are 18 million four away. When you compare it to last year, you'll notice that we're trending—trending—I uh, use that in quotes—at about two million dollars less than last year. Here's the reason why, um, which is a good sign. Number one, we've, we've had some reduced expenses due to resignations, due to some layoffs, et cetera. The other big portion of this is a reallocation or a reassignment of of, of these uh, many of these many several of these salaries to Fund 12, appropriately so. So we found that uh, we had some folks who should be on Fund 12 or a portion of their salary should be on Fund 12 that were in Fund 11. We've made the accounting adjustment We've also made the adjustment retroactive as it applies to July 1st. So you'll see that's, that's what's contributed to this big, what appears it is a real savings, but we have to be careful that we don't anticipate it'll be a trend moving forward. The trend is we're gonna be spending less in total salaries, but probably not $2 million less. But I would offer it is a very positive sign. I'm gonna move down. Uh, Catherine, can you move me down? Thank you. Um, Let me just go over a few highlights in the benefits area. You'll notice that our unemployment insurance uh, was budgeted at 102, uh, and we're we're sitting around, um, I think we're sitting around 87 in our our, um, approved budget. That's, That's because of the folks that are leaving the institution and claiming some unemployment benefits. And, and, and you'll notice last year, we spent about $10,000. We're at 102 now, um, and that's the dynamic that seems to be occurring. Um, if I can move down a little bit further, uh, right there. Um, a little further, uh, Catherine, thank you, that's good. You'll, if I can draw your attention to this line right here, maintenance and repairs, You'll notice that last year we spent $1.6 million. Now we're spending 1.124. And that is because we've shifted some of our expenses uh, appropriately. So down to um, uh, down to our, let's see, where are we now? A little further down, Catherine? There we go, Th- thanks, thanks. Um, I'm looking for my line here. Under our uh, other, t- uh, other excuse me, uh, capital outlay. So this number here is now 695 this year. It's 350 last year. We move some of those expenses down here primarily for computer leases. The upside is that we move them on the right side of the 50% law. So while these numbers look, the variance will, uh, will change uh, the total expense doesn't change from fund 11, and uh, we move in a positive direction on the 50% law. So the the long and short of this report: this is the third quarter report. We have um, this is uh, our controller Arissa and her team have moved toward what we call a soft close in our in our budgets, so that the the reconciliations and the assignment of costs are done. Uh, at the quarter. So we have a good picture of where we're going to finish. Not an exact picture, but a good picture. In the recent past, they waited to do that reallocation until the end of the year. So you and our colleagues across the campus didn't have a a clear enough picture about how we were going to finish. So uh, this third quarter soft close, if you will, is giving us a better idea of what the end of the finish of the year looks like. In general, we look very positive on a budget basis. I think we're going to finish better than we uh, than we budgeted for, largely due to some of those reallocations and some of those cost savings in our in our um, in our salary area. So that's the long and short uh, of it. Uh, what questions might you have?
3: Are there any additional real reallocations that
15: we, we can expect or? We, we continue to study those and look at uh, uh, the chancellor's accounting manual to see where we can look at those. So we, we are continuing to do that. I'm not sure there are any big hits, again, uh, Trustee Iverson, but there may be some smaller ones. Let me just say a, a little bit on the 50% loss since it's coming up. Uh, uh, we've made progress. We're gonna, we're gonna pick up a few points uh, by the end of the year and improve our 50% number. We won't be able to get to 50%. It was a bigger issue than just the accounting reallocation, but we will pick up some, some, uh, uh, some distance there. Um, uh, you'll note, if you haven't already in my written report, I speak to the Board of Governors' uh, discussion of the 50% law uh, and, uh, and uh, their concern and our concern as well. Uh, the downside is we still need to work on it. The upside is we won't realize a financial penalty anyway, because we didn't meet it, because we are a community-based district and not apportionment-based.
3: A I guess Any, more of like a procedural question on how we're, you know, moving towards the right side of the 50% level Obviously, it's a moving target, but what
15: are the areas that I guess we focus on that make the corrections? The primary area is the amount of, of funding we're spending uh, in, in in class instruction versus out of class instruction. And right now, we're spending more outside instruction, um, uh, and so we're we're looking, as you alluded to, all those opportunities to attribute costs to instruction that we can legitimately. It wasn't done very rigorously in the past. It's being done more rigorously now. Dr. Parker, our mm-hmm. accounting team continue to look at that and look for opportunities. Dr. Parker recently conducted an, uh, an analysis of reassigned time and perhaps some implications for the right side of, of the um, 50% law. B- but our, the immediate response is uh, it, it need We need to rebalance, Uh, our instructional staff with our classified staff. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Dr. Frost?
8: I can just comment briefly on that. This is an opportune time to thank Dr. Parker and our faculty colleagues, our negotiating team. You know, the board gave me very clear instruction when I arrived. And as I met and began working with Dr. Parker, I learned of, of what she was already doing uh, in collaboration with faculty and negotiating that reassigned time uh, back down to an affordable level. Yes, there's still you know some room to go and yes, this will take some years to get to. but I think this is this is a really good point for the board to realize is that we, but especially you know your administrators and faculty have been working on this issue this year. So when Jim says we're not going to get to 50% this year, it's still well within our goal to, to be there next year. I sat through a day of Board of governors meeting because of our 50 percent uh, score I guess we were we were the only college uh, that that arrived below 50 percent because of our own internal scheduling. San mateo and Marin districts were were not at 50 percent openly willingly and deliberately so so we have some work to do jim sarah and others have gone a long way towards getting us back there i mean oscar's been working on getting from fund 11 to fund 12 as well so i think this is just a good opportunity to point out to the board that we are working on your assignment um and aggressively
0: thank you Dr. Frost?
8: I I have a a question, um, maybe
2: not quite directly on on this report, but um, in looking through the FICMAT um, report, there seem to be a number of items that uh, are gonna require some expenditure. Um, For example, there are a couple of things that, um, questions that were well, I'm looking at it right now. It says, does the district use a human resources system and position control system that is integrated with a financial reporting system? And then there's another one, uh, not a couple lines down below that, that asks about enrollment management and budget development systems, whether they're integrated. That sounds to me like, uh, I guess we don't have those, but it sounds like a very expensive software. Um, I'm assuming that I think uh, Dr. Frost mentioned that there's going to be a, a task force going through the FICMAT report and uh, putting together a plan on on how to address these things. So I, I guess those things will be picked up uh, by that group and then figure out what the costs with these things are uh, and be integrated into our, our planning.
8: Jim, why don't you let me take the first stab at this and, and Third, certainly. clean up. This is a really good question, um, and it's really good for the board to be aware of this right now. There are a number of modules in the Colleague system, our our enterprise resource program, uh, Colleague, that we're not utilizing as a colleague as a college. Uh, It's to me, it's really surprising. Um, We need to utilize all of the tools within Colleague. Regarding position control, I would actually, you know, Chara and I have talked about this at length. I would really like to be able to invest in a very, very specialized position control software, but that's in the realm of a million dollars. We just don't have a million dollars right now. So we are talking about how can we make the, the module in colleague work for us that same rationale applies to some of the enrollment management tools and other modules within Colleague that we really need to use as a co- as a college. Now, this is for another meeting, but the level of IT investment that was not made and the level of human resources investments that was not made in, in, in areas that we really needed it over the last five years is now, going to be part of that human resources challenge of how do we grow ourselves right in a way that we can we can use all the technology at our grasp. And Jim Jim will have probably another angle to this.
15: Christy Rios, uh, I, I couldn't have paid you uh, to bring up that question. I appreciate it very much.
8: Maybe I should have held
2: out.
15: <laughs> uh, we we have we have a Lucian uh, software, it's it's valuable, it's current, it's it's uh, we're using a very small fraction of it. We don't build our budgets in, in that. We're still building our budgets in, in Excel. I asked the question the other day, where do I build the budget? And they said, well, like we always did on in Excel spreadsheets. So it's not integrated with our our, our position control, which is critical. It's not integrated with our enrollment management, which is critical. I think uh, every administrator here, uh, certainly cabinet administrators, recognizes that as an immediate need. And so uh, I've spoken with Dr. Frost about how we move that forward. We need to uh, uh, speak with uh, Charo, obviously, uh, about her needs in the HR area and position control, but we need to move aggressively to, to put those in place. And, and frankly, uh, it will take some consulting initially to help us build those systems in our in the in the software we own and begin to uh, to execute on on that software. It'll be it'll make life a lot easier and <clears throat> give you the reports that you deserve and should be uh, should be considering in your in your deliberations.
2: Good, thank you. I, I look forward to seeing how this um, develops as we, we go forward.
0: Thanks, and thank you, uh, Tracy Rios, for a great question, um, too. Um, Jim, I I think one question that I've I've been noticing, I think this is more just is my role as chair, president of the board, is we've been having a lot more, I think, um, public records act requests, um, you know, to the to the district. Um, I think some in good faith. I you know, I think some in bad faith. Um, and I'm, I'm concerned about the budget, uh, board approved adjusted budget for our legal costs, um, and the need to, uh, maybe perhaps increase that in light of, cause every time we get these, you know, public records act requests, which we're, we're required to comply with under, under law, um, of course, um, but. I guess that that's, that's one particular piece. And I know being as an attorney myself, sometimes uh, you're late to get out invoices and, and, and so on and so forth that, you know, you might not see a, a work uh, invoiced for um, a particular matter until, you know, maybe two months or three months after it's actually performed, um, you know, in some cases, hopefully nothing later than that. But I just have uh, been I don't know, Dr. Frost, do you have anything to offer on that um, either? But just um, whether or not that's a may- maybe accurate, or should we increase that? Um, you know, as part of a, an adjustment.
15: Well, well, the budget is is dynamic. Obviously, yeah. Trustee Dodd and and I, I think Dr. Frost has uh, been good about giving me a heads up um, about uh, costs coming in, so I go and look in the the sofa cushions for more change. Uh, and, and we can do that. I think um, I think we have a little bit of room here because of the savings and salaries. Um, but I, I, I would want to understand more fully what, what our commitment is through the end of the year in some of these areas. And, and so while Dr. Frost has given me the heads up, I think I need to understand what the projection might be as well. Uh, and, and with that we can have a, we can talk uh, with a little more clarity about what might be necessary.
0: Thank you. That's, uh, that's understandable. Any other questions?
8: Or- well, I, I just think it's important for me to add there. The last place I want to spend money on is legal costs that I could be spending on programs, services, f- even facilities. The reality is, though, it's, it's kind of like safety. Safety is first. Keep, protecting humans is first. We have to protect the college above all, no matter what. Our our legal costs are going to be up this year, and I think that would be a really, what I would like to do with your question, Trustee Dodd, is take that question, provide the board a full accounting for it sometime after the close. You know, it might be July or August, for example. Um, So that you can see year over year the legal costs as a board.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I think there's been some other issues too. I think with just talking about violations of, of title five and so on, which I know we, we want to take seriously anytime, um, you know, where there is such an ac- accusation. Um, so you want to be thoughtful about that. But um, no, thank you for responding to that. Dr. Frost. Mm-hmm. Jim, don't go too far. Um, we are going to move to uh, item 16.3 budget values and assumptions. And this is an action item that the board needs to take action on? Uh, I,
15: yes, we would appreciate that. The The Planning and Budget Committee uh, uh, looks at this document every year. We did some nice uh, appropriate revisions this year. It, it is a document that uh, provides some broad parameters about how we want to develop the budget. Uh, and I think as we looked at the FICMAT, uh, and good practices in financial management and, develop, and budget development, these are very consistent with that. So um, w- with that, if you've had an opportunity to look at it, I would uh, I fully support uh, your consideration and adoption of, uh, of, this, uh, of the assumptions document.
0: I just have one question. If I, I don't see any other of my colleagues hands up, but in terms of setting the goal for 87.5% um, for um, salary and benefits. Yes. If that's the goal, but then there's a footnote in there that states that, is, you know, basically 85% um, is the average among, um, I don't know, is it high performing districts? I don't know how you would describe that. Right. Um, why are we setting 87.5? Is that just because it's realistic and there's just no way that we're gonna get to 85?
15: <laughs> well, it's a goal. Um, uh, and our faculty on that committee um, uh, tried to put some metrics around that. There's, a, uh, there, there's a, a general feeling among faculty, classified and administrators that they're underpaid relative to others. So they, they felt compelled to put that in there. I, I, I understand we need a goal I think we, we, have some, uh, we have some pressures, financial pressures, that uh, may not allow us to get there, uh, will likely not allow us to get there. But uh, I, I think the goal is, is reasonable, but um, uh, we need to continue to keep in mind the bigger picture of our budget. Uh, and I think they understand that. I, th- I think they feel as though they have to have a placeholder uh, in that conversation so that so that those issues don't get neglected.
14: Okay.
0: Um, and I guess I think maybe one other other question to seen, I mean, In terms of um, should we talk about or have in there, um, I forgot what the FICMAT reports, just kind of that. Um, kind of almost like a bridge loan, a temporary like bridge loan. I forgot the name of it. A tran. A tran. I mean, should we contemplate a tran in, in this? Uh... Uh,
15: um, I, I think a tran is is a a, a tool that we always have, have to have available to us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we need to discuss that as we move into this year before our tax revenues arise. So we can include that at, at the recommendation of the board. As a, as a tool that needs to be and can be implemented as as cash flow needs uh, necessitate. I think we can do that, Trustee Dodd.
0: I think that would be helpful, especially now I'm thinking about Dr. Warnall too and, and uh, for uh, um, accreditation pieces and evidence and, and how we're being responsive to the Mary report. I, I think that would be helpful from my perspective. We'll do that. Dr. Frost.
8: Old fashioned raising of the hand there. Um, I think it, it's important for me to advise my board. With budget values and assumptions, everywhere else I've been, budget values and assumptions begins early in the fall with a board discussion. And from there it proceeds to the, uh, the budget committee and there's, there's a circular process back to the board. If, if one of the board's primary responsibilities is the fiscal accountability of the college, you should weigh in early on budget values and assumptions. And so, Jeff, to your point about 85% for salary and benefits, if it's 87.5 now, and I fully agree with with staff, by the way, on their, their pay goals, we all want to raise our pay. But if over five years or seven years, the board's goal is to get to 85%, the board should state that and ask that it be part of the college's budget values and assumptions. And so there's where I just, I wanna encourage the board to get involved in this process a little bit earlier. Remember we talked about an an annual budget timeline that would include board input uh, to it. So I I just wanna get that placeholder in for future reference.
0: No, I I think that's important, especially when you talk about the need for facility technology maintenance and capital improvements. And that's supposedly in in Roman numeral four, it's a big priority and and things that we need to increase. Um, But that seems a little counterintuitive um, with the earlier uh, uh, values and assumptions in the document.
15: I I think that's a great point. Uh, This is here because um, because some things didn't happen. I would also offer that the guidance, the budget development memorandum that you may have had access to really speaks to priorities as well. Uh, and it should, it is reflective of, of this document. So um, my charge to you will be to bring it back early in the budget cycle, early next fall, as we begin the next cycle.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Trustee Goff?
6: Thank you. Um, so I've, I've read the um, budget development values and assumptions and I just don't see, maybe I'm missing it, if you could point it out to me, um, where there's a clear link between our student enrollment and our number of faculty needed and that realistic number being considered in a budget i see you know the the groups will participate i'm seeing you know they'll use actual costs of current employees and mid-range estimates for vacant positions but but where where is the starting point where you say and i'm and i'm talking about this because of declining enrollment because we're overstaffed where do you say this is how many faculty members we need this is how much it will cost us and that's our budget for for faculty. Um, I'm just not seeing that clearly outlined here. I'm seeing kind of a grand um, kind of general idea, but I'm not seeing any concrete connection between the reality of your number of students, the reality of number of faculty you need attached to the budget where you can say, this is how much we have. We have no more. We need to work with that number to determine the faculty. Does that make sense? Yeah,
8: Jim, yeah.
15: you want to? Sure, Trustee Goffier. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. If you look at the efficiency section, we the committee tried to address that in very broad. It's toward the end.
1: Okay.
15: Uh, they they attempted to uh, address uh, uh, address that in very broad terms. Um, yes. But but it doesn't have single numbers to it. You know, specific numbers to it. The guidance memo and, itself.
6: And
15: it go ahead. I'm sorry.
6: I get that it shouldn't have numbers in it, but, you know, it says this includes the regular review of enrollment management practices and institutional operation practice and expense, you know, it goes on like that. But I know that that there's an enrollment report that goes out to most people, doesn't come to us, but it goes to people. So I guess what I'm getting at, there was knowledge that we were having fewer and fewer students, but somehow we kept hiring faculty. And, and I just think that huge disconnect needs to be, clearly closed in this proposed, um, values and assumptions. Does that make sense to you that I, I guess I just want really specific language to that effect. So we don't get to this place again.
8: Yeah, I, let me, let me just, this goes yeah. back, uh, starts sounding like a broken record, but no, you're good. Of course, I agree with you entirely. Um, we're with the position we're in Last weekend, I think, I was in the office looking at some some uh, data from the chancellor's office. I looked at every college uh, b- whose fawn sat between 60 and 120. Our fawn is 72. And I took the average of all those institutions. And the average over fawn for all of those institutions was eight. Eight over fawn we're 39 over fund. So, my point is not that the board can come up with a number magically or that the faculty can come up with a n- number magically or I, Jim or Dr. Parker could, but that right. we as a college have that dialogue of what what is the appropriate number and then we build right. that into our budget assumptions over yes. time. Because yes. we're never going to we're not going to get back to, you know, 8 or 10 over fund for a long time and <clears throat> The faculty would argue it would it would create a very different college than the college we have today. So, but when the board identifies that as a budget value or a budget assumption, it forces that that dialogue and a, and a consideration of our future. That's the, right. what's important. It's that right. dialogue that I would yes. emphasize.
6: Yes, and 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 is it there, and I'm not seeing it, or. Do we no, need to be more specific?
8: There. Okay, I think that's. I think the board needs to build that in in the fall. You know, okay. so that that can be be part of a college wide discussion. Okay,
6: Trustee Rios, you have some wisdom to give us here.
2: I I this relates right to your question because, but I thought it might be on the next um, agenda item, but you've brought this up and um, Dr. Frost forwarded a uh, FigMat. Fiscal alert. Um, I guess maybe it was last week uh, I guess, that I was looking yes. at and thought this needs to be in our planning process. Again, right. one of, another tool that we've that uh, Dr. Frost has just uh, pulled out here, but like the other FICMAT report we have and um, the other reports we've gotten, where it talks about you know right sizing the institution and the types of uh, calculations that should be made during the budget process to determine, you know, what our our faculty numbers should be and and all of this. And I would like to see this in the future be uh, integrated into our budgeting program and for it to be shown to us, I'm not sure where it would be, those calculations take place, what group or, you know, constituency, but it it makes it, some of this stuff so clear. I don't know if uh, the rest of you have seen this or read it. Yes, yes. I looked at that and I've said, why didn't we have this before? This has given me such a better understanding of how this should happen. um, And we should have this in our planning and we should be seeing this calculation as we we go through the budget process, you know, and quarterly or however it is. This, uh, looking at how this is laid out. It just makes it so much simpler uh, for us. And one thing that I don't know, I think it was either Jim or Dr. Frost just said that this whole budgeting process, something that I've always had a problem with where we're responsible, we're responsible, but we don't see anything until the very end when everybody else has already reviewed it and moved it on to the next level. And then it comes to us just for approval. I never even thought, well, the budget values and assumptions should have started at the board, but it makes so much sense. And I'm sitting here going, why weren't we doing that?
6: Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly with you. That's where I am too. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Trustee Iverson um, and Trustee Rios, did you have any further comments or is that?
2: No, I just want to make sure that that gets on our list of things that, that we need to do. Well, I think <laughs> yeah, and I you know,
0: Jim, I hate to kind of pile on like you know, more work, but um in a sense is I, I wonder if it's really, you know, we're if the board makes an approval tonight after this, and, and again, I trust the Irish trust you and I see your hands up, but incorporating, you know, it's it's really this budget values and assumptions approved, you know, with kind of further comments. I think what we're talking about with the um the tram. Um, uh, looking into this operational efficiency measures um, with respect to um, the FICMAT uh, fiscal alert, which is actually from October twenty twenty. Raphael wasn't just released; I think uh, uh, last week it was from October twenty twenty. Um, I think if we're talking about the same report,
2: we we are, and I'm just surprised yeah. we've never seen it. <laughs>
0: so. Right, right. Um, in, in any case, but uh, 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 Trustee Iverson and then Trustee Luna follows. Uh, I think we pretty much hit hit it there with that conversation
3: with Rios and you. Um, I just wanna make sure this is in a roadmap going forward because it is helpful. Thank you. Trustee Luna?
10: I just wanted to mention that this is is probably a very appropriate topic to review during our uh, board retreat. Um, And actually, I think we're gonna need a, a long board retreat this year um as uh mr reeves gets used to our system and creates new systems for our college that better work for him and dr powell i think it would be great to be part of the of the orientation of how that's going to work and what we should look for what we should what we can look for what this all means so um, i would just request that we make that as part of our agenda and, and our kind of orientation with our new president
11: yeah
9: um
0: Thank you. Trustee Baldini?
9: I was, is the sets of goals spending X amount, is that a, a negotiation uh, element? Should that be out of uh, the board's purview? I mean, we, we don't negotiate. We're not in that area. So something like this, is this consistent? And I'm asking uh, Dr. Frost, is this consistent with other colleges that
8: they have this stated yeah. amount? no you're you're absolutely right the board does not engage in in negotiations and in, in labor negotiations this would not be a part of labor negotiations and that and that, and it, and you're again you're exactly right because this is taking place when you're developing those budget values and assumptions the background data that becomes your philosophy of how you build the budget that's exactly when it's appropriate for the board to to set the parameters, and then it goes out to the committees. Dialogue, take the expertise comes in, it comes back to the board now, and and you see to what extent the board's input is in is in there, and you decide whether you're you're comfortable with it. So the yes it's appropriate for the board to be involved early in developing values and assumptions for each year the budget development process does include the board jim's jim's really good at this he's going to know where to help write you all into it um i have to say you know cabinet your cabinet is well informed the thick mat report was already known by cabinet when i got here um you can imagine their frustration Uh, in, in last year, knowing what they knew. And so I I think they're going to be here to help you with this process.
1: Thank
0: you. Any other, any other questions? Okay. Jimmy, feel like you have a good direction is a pretty robust conversation.
15: I, I believe so. Uh, if you'd like to refer it back to, um, to staff for, for a redraft, uh, uh, we'll, we'll certainly do that.
0: What do you think is most effective for, for you? I mean, we don't It kind of want to it's a fine point in terms of not micromanaging and letting this business, because I know we're a little behind schedule too on 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 the budget development in our timeline. Business.
8: I wasn't hearing a redraft, Jim. I was yeah. really hearing questions, so we do a better design in the future? Correct okay. me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to applaud the good work that's been done, frankly.
15: Uh, perhaps a motion to uh, accept with uh, consideration for inclusion of information, more specific information about uh, the, the important metrics that uh, Trustee Goffnash mentioned, and, and also reference to a tool like the TRAN in a future iteration.
0: Cool. I'm I'm okay with that. If someone would want to make a motion,
6: uh, I'll second.
0: Move for approval with the metrics and um, adding the tram and
3: just making it better moving forward.
6: I'll second.
0: Thank you very much. Um, So, uh, Trustee Iverson with the motion and Trustee Goff with approval. Thank you very much, Jim. Um, I will uh, do a roll. Well, let me do a public comment, excuse me, which we haven't done. And I should have called for it earlier. Um earlier. Seen- I have
1: not received or seen any.
0: Yeah, I'm not seeing any hands either. I will do a roll call vote then. Student Trustee Soto Gonzalez? Hi. Trustee Baldini? Hi. Trustee Goff?
6: I'd like to say aye and thank you, Jim Reeves, for all your work, I appreciate it.
0: Here, here. Trustee Rios? Aye. Trustee Baker. Aye. Trustee Luna, Aye. Trustee Iverson. Aye. And thank you, Dr. Cross and Jim Reeves. thank you. Although I as well and c- concur wholeheartedly. We will uh, go to action item 16.4, planning and budget development timeline. <laughs> Jim, still on the hot seat.
15: Well, I don't believe this is so hot. <laughs> um, what we've done uh, and what our creditors want to be sure of uh, 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 that is that the board has an opportunity to look at the schedule for um, development and adoption of uh, the annual budget. You, uh, acknowledging what has previously been said, this should have been out to you last October, November. Uh, this is a compressed timeline, and um, we're already in the midst of it. I have all, uh, in addition, I have uh, uh, shaded those areas that have a statutory hard stock s- so that you, un- so you see where, you know, it needs to come to you eventually. We have done uh, a budget development forum. I think a few of you may have signed on or perhaps looked at the Uh, The video uh, that outlines how we will proceed um, and and the steps that need to be taken internally to get us to these points. But I'll acknowledge up front it's compressed. It shouldn't be as compressed uh, under normal uh, circumstances. But uh, these aren't normal circumstances, certainly not right now, but they will be uh, beginning in the fall of next year.
0: Catherine, do we have any uh, public comment?
1: No, I have
9: not received any.
0: Thank you. Comments or questions from the trustees?
9: Baldania, move approval. Dina, second.
0: Thank you, Trustee Luna. Any discussion? Seeing none, I will do a roll call. Student Trustee Soto Gonzalez.
14: Aye,
0: Trustee Baldini. Aye, Trustee Goff. Aye, Trustee Rios. Aye, Trustee Baker. Aye, Trustee Deluna. Aye, Trustee Iverson. Aye, and I will vote aye as well. Thank you, Mr. Eves. No, thank you very, very much. It's really, really helpful and very refreshing um, to see the the direction um, that we're we're heading organizationally in terms of uh, our finances. We will go to uh, 17, which is reports, have uh, listed guidelines for report, uh, which are listed in 17.1. And um, to that uh, end, we will start with our first report, associate students of Napa Valley College, Marcus Texan, president.
16: Uh, Good evening, trustees, Dr. Frost, college administrators, faculty, students, and the college community. It has been an eventful month here at ASNBC. Several of our members returned from the American Student Association of Community Colleges conference held in Washington, D.C. All of them have described it as an amazing learning opportunity as they met with our district congressman, Mike Thompson. And just a side note, student trustee Soto Gonzalez was on that trip. Um, our members discussed and advocated for the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act and Pell Grant. Essentially, they were there advocating for everything related to federal financial aid. In addition to meeting with Mike Thompson, they had the opportunity to meet with Jake Jacob Holes, a legislative correspondent with Senator Alex Padilla's office, and they uh, advocated for the exact same things, the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act and the Pell Grant. At the conference, they were able to listen to several keynote speakers that spoke of mental health and talking to our representatives in Congress. They, of course, took the opportunity to eat at a few local eateries and to our Capitol Hill. our April 1st, 2022 board meeting, Vice President of Student Affairs Oscar Dejaro, Dean of Outreach and Enrollment, Enrollment Services Jessica Erickson, and Network Administrator Daniel Vega were in attendance to speak about the expansion of our internet services on campus. It is with great pleasure to announce that ASNVC had approved the expenditure of about $258,000 out of our tech fee to further enhance our Wi-Fi and Internet services on campus. And just for the record, this is no April Fool's joke. I am excited to see this project roll out in the future to help provide our students with stronger wireless access. Um, A few on the grimmer side of things. It has also come to my concern that... Board policy 2511, college governance, decision-making, and responsibilities was removed from board docs. Working on an accreditation writing team, as well as serving on the accreditation steering committee, has shown me how BP 2511 is an integral part of our participatory governance processes and ICER. The removal of BP 2511 simply put, endangers the college's accreditation status since it was referenced over a dozen times in the ICER. With that being said, it is imperative that BP 2511 be reinstated or for for the proper procedure to quickly take place to reinstate the policy. Lastly, echoing my statement statement from a few weeks ago, I wanted to take this opportunity to stress the importance of communication and transparency when able from all parties, including the Board of Trustees, the Office of the President, and the constituent groups. We're all on the same side here to support and ensure student success and well-being at Apple Valley College. Without effective communication, we will not be able to support our students in an effective way. Thank you, and that concludes my report.
0: Thank you very much, President Texan. Um, that's very helpful. We'll, we'll look into That's the first I've heard about uh, BP 2511, um, but we'll, uh, we'll look into that. <coughs>
1: I can provide clarity on that any time you're, or we can wait until another meeting.
0: We can, let's wait, let's wait to another meeting and if we need to (laughs) agendize it, um, should do it the the right way uh, in terms of the agenda. Um, But thank you very much um, for the offer. Um, 17.3 classified Senate report, President Danielle Alexander.
1: I'm sorry, I'm having trouble getting my camera to function, but um, the Classified Senate does not have a report tonight.
0: Thank you, Danielle. 17.4, Classified Association Report. President Dixie Larson.
5: Hi. um, Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm going to read the uh, official vote of no confidence from the Classified uh, Professionals Senate and Classified Union. We the Classified Senate and Classified Union of Napa Valley College have composed this letter to publicly express our dissatisfaction with the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees. This letter is an expression of our vote of no confidence in the Board of Trustees and their ability to function as such we understand the severity of this decision and would like it understood that it pains us to present such a decision our decision is based on the following four major concerns first we are deeply troubled by the financial ruin that the college finds itself in at the hands of the board of trustees some of our main concerns regarding poor budget management are the approval of years long deficit spending the lack of adequate fiscal and personal con- personnel control, and an alarming lack of understanding of how to manage the budget. Secondly, we are deeply troubled by the Board of Trustees' continual support of, and belief in former President Kraft, and now in interim President Frost. Even after being manipulated and nearly destroyed by President Kraft, the Board of Trustees refused to seek input on their selection of President Frost, thereby further eroding the relationship between all college constituent groups and the Board of Trustees. We are deeply, third, we are deeply troubled by the Board of Trustees Decisions regarding building student housing at Napa Valley College during this budget deficit and particularly with the signing of the pre development agreement that we are now beholden to unless we pay $4.5 million debt owed further we are concerned by the lack of understanding that the board has about the project whilst holding all the power to move it forward. Lastly, we are deeply troubled by the ways in which the Board of Trustees is behaving and allowing their one employee interim President Frost to behave towards the employees of the college treating us as adversaries instead of the, as a community of competent visionary devotees of education and of Napa Valley College for reasons stated. And with great sadness, we have arrived at a vote of no confidence in the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees. We no longer believe that this board is capable of ensuring the well being of our students, the employees of the college, nor the college itself. We offer this vote of no confidence, not as an act of division nor further polarization, but rather as an act of solidarity in an effort to elicit a response of immediate and dramatic change, of course, by the Board of Trustees. Thank you. And I'd also like to um, congratulate our classified employees who have reached the 15 years. I don't know whether you named the six people because my audio was going in and out, but um, we would like to extend them. Congratulations. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dixie. We'll move on um, to report 17.5 administrative confidential Senate report. Robert Harris president.
1: Uh, Mr. Harris is not present. He submitted a report, uh, and I believe it's posted.
0: Yes. I did read that. Did all the other board members, uh, trustees read that as well? Seen. Yes. Thumbs up. Thank you. Uh, report 17.6 academic Senate report. Uh, Eileen Tejada
1: president. Dr. Tejada is not present, and I believe Dixie Larson is going to read her
5: report. Dixie, you're on mute. Oh, thank you. I'm trying to get back to my previous screen. So if you could hold on for a second. Oh, here we go. Um, So Eileen says, greetings Napa Valley College community. Um, I'm now going to read the uh, Napa Valley College Academic Senate vote of no confidence. Um, The vote of no confidence passed 74 yes to five nays. Whereas the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees failed to fulfill their responsibility for ensuring the financial stability of college and fail to hold the CEO of the college accountable through effective evaluations, whereas the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees continues to ignore and violate Title V sections, 52023, 51023.5, 023.7, ACCJC standards, 5.A, 5.B, and 5.C, and their own board policies related to college governance and decision-making. Whereas the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees and the interim president continue to misrepresent and undermine the collegial consultation and participatory governance processes, neglecting their obligations to the Napa Valley Academic Senate under Title V, Section 53203 and disenfranchising administrators, staff, and students. Whereas the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees' lack of oversight and transparency in fiscal matters and violation of governance processes resulted in liabilities that worsen our current fiscal situation, including a 2.5 million deficit and potentially millions more in liabilities related to the housing project. Resolved, the Napa Valley College Academic Senate fully supports the joint actions of the Classified Senate and Classified Union in voting no confidence in the Board of Trustees and the action of the administrators of Napa Valley College to endorse that action and this Academic Senate Resolution. Resolved, the Napa Valley College Academic Senate has made several attempts in good faith to collaborate with the Office of the President following the ASCCC's prescribed process to help bring the college back into compliance with Title V, ACCJCC standards, 5A, 5B, 5C, and the principles of collegial consultation and participatory governance. Resolved, the Napa Valley College Academic Senate will join the Classified Senate and Classified Union in holding a vote of no confidence in the Board of Trustees and the Interim President. Um, I'm going to read her uh, report as well. Um, It is the hope and the desire of the MVC Academic Senate leadership that the BOT will revisit the plans made by Trustee Baker and Dr. Tejada to reestablish a healthy healthy working relationship with the board. On board agenda item 15.2, on behalf of the Academic Senate Curriculum Committee Chair, Dr. Seth Anderson, supported by the MVC Academic Senate President, Dr. Eileen Tejada. Tonight's board agenda shows, once again, that the leadership of the college is refusing to listen to the concerns of the faculty at a time when elected officials across the country are improperly interfering in curriculum decisions, when schools in Florida are being forced to deny the very existence of gay, lesbian, and transgender people, when teachers in Texas are being muzzled from having honest conversations about race and racism in American history, the faculty of our college need to know that the board will respect their academic and professional expertise in matters of policy related to curriculum. Instead, what we are seeing is once again the trampling of our well established and legally required governance processes. In its own policies, in its own policies in BP 2510, the board has promised to rely primarily on the advice of the Academic Senate in establishing policies and procedures related to curriculum prerequisites and degree and certificate requirements. By its vote, Tonight, the board threatens to tear up that promise. I respectfully ask the board to approve BP four zero two five, four one zero zero, four one one oh and four two six zero according to the language recommended by the academic senate or provide clear written reasons why it cannot do so that are based on the facts as of now it would appear that the board has been provided with neither the academic senate's recommended language for these BEPs nor their corresponding aps to inform your decision making
0: and dixie you're you're above uh, our our five minute threshold so i'll give give you a few uh, seconds but um would like
5: you to wrap it up please okay i have one last paragraph finish it go ahead please the actions of the bot which do not adhere to its own mutually agreed upon policies namely bp twenty five eleven. BP 2510 and BP and AP 2410 constitutes continuous Title V violations and disrespect of the MVC Academic Senate. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dixie. It would be very, I think, uh, just a comment about, uh, it's fine from my perspective to, to uh, you know read read a, a comments out loud. But it is, if something is submitted in writing from my, it's very helpful to have it beforehand to review. Um, as opposed to just listening to our people to uh, digest, I'm, I'm really speaking for myself personally, but helping to kind of digest and respond to that information, obviously, uh, it'd be wonderful to have it submitted afterwards, uh, to the meeting. So it's a part of the record, but you know, want to take the opportunity to thank, um, um, excuse me, I'm slipping on, uh, uh Bob Harris, who submitted his, his comments and writing, which is, was helpful to review and, and reflect on. But thank you very much, Dixie for, for reading the report.
5: Mm-hmm. You're welcome.
0: 17.7, uh, Christy Iwamoto.
17: Hello, good evening board and uh, good evening everyone here. I'm going to go ahead and keep my camera off because i uh, it's spring break actually. So I just came in from out of state and I'm actually just sitting in my garage on my phone waiting to go in. So just wanted to read this quick report. Um, and just sort of sitting here as I was driving home, uh, listening, I just wanted to let everyone know that while I understand the need to reconfigure reassign time, I do want to say that the union does not agree with the district's plan to break existing agreements with the faculty in the middle of their current terms. These faculty members were told that they would receive a certain amount of reassign for three years. The district's answer to the fiscal issue that they created is to break these agreements midterm to force faculty to work for less, doing the same job, but for less. And I know that we are out of compliance with the 50% law. In fact, I think I was one of the first people to mention that in this venue about a year ago. But the fact remains that a big reason for that is that our faculty and classified are one of the lowest, if not the lowest paid community college faculty and staff in the state and have been for years. I understand the quote-unquote goal, may not be immediately attainable in the moment because of the obvious and extremely pressing mistakes made by this district fiscally. But I just wanted to point out that my take-home pay, and I'm just going to say it, I know I'm not at the top of the salary scale, but my take-home pay is like $4,300 a month, which is not enough to live in Napa, by the way. Hardly enough to live in California, really my part-time counterparts, if you are listening to and agree with the latest lawsuit at Long Beach City College, and I do, may actually uh, be making less than minimum wage once you include the prep time and grading that is being factored into what they do. And so when I hear something like $19,000 a month for an interim superintendent president, $19,000 a month for a new superintendent president, even though I'm sure he's gonna be excellent, and I'm optimistic there, you can see where I can see a disparity that feeds into the 50 percent law issue. And it seems like a lofty goal of raising faculty and classified salaries, but it's not. It's not so much a pie-in-the-sky dream. It's actually a necessity for retention and for our survival. And so I just wanted to put that out there, that, you know, we're when we say we're looking for a goal, we realize that we are not operating in a bubble. Yes, there are larger issues, but our issues are still issues. Um, I also wanted to speak in support of, of ASNBC President Marcus Texan and, uh, regarding BP 2511. I just wanted to say that I served on a, an accreditation writing team with Marcus and he was excellent. Just uh, just, as, doing just as much work as me. In some cases, maybe even knowing more than me about accreditation things. Um, but, you know, I just, I just really want everyone to know that we are all trying to work together. We all very much love this college. We all work very, very hard. And it seems like I don't know at this point how we are going to bridge some of these communication issues. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm still willing to try. AND THAT IS MY REPORT.
0: THANK YOU VERY MUCH. REPORT 17.8, PRESIDENT AND CABINET REPORTS.
8: HOW ABOUT IF WE GO IN uh, ALPHABETICAL ORDER HERE AND START WITH OSCAR LARO, CONTINUING TO DR. PARKER AND THEN TO JIM REEVES AND MYSELF. Uh, I
14: I HAVE no, NO REPORT. USUALLY WHEN I HAVE ONE, I, I submitted, it, so it's posted, but for this evening, I don't have much to
8: report. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Parker. All
13: right. Um, I will ask, Kathleen, if you go, could go ahead and open it up. I did submit it in writing, but I'd like to highlight a couple of things. Good evening board of trustees and the first thing I'd like to say this evening is a congratulations to Dr. Powell on his appointment um, earlier this evening I'm really excited to welcome you to the campus and also to work with you. So for the last couple of months I've started my written report with a snapshot summary update that just takes the the date of the board meeting and compares it headcount and total enrollments to the semester prior. So I've done that again tonight. Um, a slight improvement from last month. So a little glimmer of good news there. Um, But then I wanted to put that in the context of some data from across the state. And you might know that I have spent yesterday and today at the CCC CIO conference where I'm able to connect with my colleagues in the same position from other community colleges and got a lot of great information. So my written report was coming a bit late today because I wanted to include that as much as possible and what I was sharing with you, I think it's great for contextualizing the experience that we're having here at the college. Um, So this chart shows that Napa Valley College is really falling right in the center of the distribution of colleges in terms of our modality and our planning around our schedule for fall 22. The RP group will again be putting out an enrollment report from across the state. That will capture and we we have have participated that in the past and have this time as well a report from across the state that shows enrollment numbers. Um, I know that in response to the FICMAT report we're going to be talking more on campus about schedule efficiency in the year to come. I want the board to know that we have already taken some concrete steps to make this a part of our schedule build process by setting targets each semester to improve and I'm looking forward to being part of the opportunity to develop an action plan. I think it's um, always important to remember that there's two levers to increasing efficiency, right, the numerator and the denominator. So while we um, uh, often talk about reducing load, we are entering a new era of, of a recommitment from what I can tell of growing enrollment and that's the way I'd like to see our efficiency improve is through growing enrollment rather than cutting the schedule, which reduces options for our students and makes it more difficult for them to progress through their academic program. Growing enrollment, that's exciting work. That's one that we can all get on board together in pouring our energy into doing. Um, it will require change and, and more on this in the report in, in just a minute. Um, The second part of the report speaks to the five steps that wasn't explicitly stated there so I just wanted to add that Um, that's an important and critical part of improving enrollment is making it really seamless and easy for students to get into a class that they're looking at. Um, Section three of the report really focuses focuses on and matches where we need to go and I saw that as part of perhaps it's Dr. Frost's report tonight the. um, There was a chancellor's office report provided about the value of community colleges and what they provide to students. And this was something that's a big topic of conversation across the state and is what's captured in section three of the report are the new students, quote unquote, new students that we want to um, provide academic and educational opportunities for um, retraining opportunities. Um, The next section, section four of the report Kind of capture some of those things from the conference that, that came up that I thought were really uh, relevant to think conversations we're having here. Um, by the way, so that first sentence, I struggled with this where it says enrollment across the system is down 25 to 30%. That number is accurate. That's directly from one of the vice chancellors. And I said this might be an overstatement. I go, oh, you know, confused over that. It might be an understatement. My point The point was that, that uh, those percentages might be even higher because there's been such a significant growth in, broad, in the system. So even the students that are being captured in the enrollment numbers might not all be real students and that's an area of concern. Um, additionally, there are, uh, you know, 200 laws in the works relevant to community colleges coming through, and and so there's just really we're in this moment of flux and change coming out of COVID. So I liked this this slide that was shared at the conference, and I wanted to share it with you because it just reaffirms that change is coming. We are looking at a new model of being able to respond to continuous and lifelong learning and that that engagement is is um, going to look different than it has in the past. So community colleges are agile and they're vibrant places, and we're we are up to the challenge um, of of you know reimagining ourselves to to go out and get that enrollment that we need. And then the very end um, captures some of the. You know the amazing things that still happen across campus every single day. Um, I had a chance to visit students participating in an in- internship with um, Professor Castro building circuits. One morning, a couple of weeks ago, um, I got to meet with one of the student artists whose picture you see here um, that I was inspired to take a picture of. And, and these interactions are, are really rejuvenating. And so I'm looking forward to having more of them as the campus opens back up across the remainder of this spring into the summer and into the fall. And that we will have the opportunity to come together and celebrate student accomplishments leading up to, including graduation in the next. So that concludes my report. And unless you have questions. Jim, do you
8: have a report?
15: Yes, I'm sorry, I do. Uh, I submitted a written report. I'd like to make uh, just highlight two areas of that report. Uh, the first is the Thickmat report, um, often repeated tonight, uh, and legitimately so. Uh, I want you to know that uh, at the May board meeting, the, um, the deputy executive officer will be presenting the Thickmat to the board of trustees, and and it will be important to to view the Thickmat uh, uh, report through the lens of those who conducted the uh, conducted the work. Subsequent to that, we'll be conducting a, uh, a campus forum to discuss the FICMAT report and talk about next steps and obviously um, a plan to move forward. Uh, a few comments uh, prior to this one about the FICMAT report. If you look at the Appendix A, I believe, it provides a very nice little template for the, what the board should expect from uh, the college in terms of uh, planning steps and information uh, uh, shared. So, uh, we're looking forward to that continued conversation. I also want to include uh, on a regular basis how we're doing in our facilities work. Uh, um, I w- there's always facilities work. I want to keep you apprised of how we're doing the very end, I think, Catherine. Uh, we have, uh, uh We have an allocation from, from the state this year for scheduled maintenance, and so I've listed the scheduled maintenance um, uh, projects that uh, that we have uh, going on. Uh, The state provides a block grant uh, submitted in uh, in connection with our five-year scheduled maintenance plan that we filed with the state, and so you can see uh, those uh, those projects in place. I'll make every effort to keep you apprised of other projects that are are funded internally by uh, funds from the college, but I certainly want to keep you apprised of uh, some of those significant projects going on. And with that, I would uh, conclude my report.
8: Thanks, Jim. I I filed a report. I'll be very brief. Um, I appreciate all the details others have provided and I'll try to avoid uh, repeating anything. There are a couple things I just want to provide updates on. You know, I've, I've only been here a couple of months, And so it's been a pretty steep climb, figuring out uh, just how the college works and where the needs are and what needs to be done, et cetera. And of course, I have a lot lot to learn. Um, Transparency was a word used immediately with me. I took efforts to post memos, post information, post reports on the president's webpage. I'm doing my level best to be as transparent as possible. I wanna ask the other constituent groups, please share what you have, help me learn. I I need details from you in order to serve you better. Uh, I think that is the key to transparency is that the glass is two way and everything flows back and forth. I don't need to know the secrets, but I sure could continue learning more effectively from you. And I look forward to doing that in our work together. You're gonna see some pretty significant uh, words from me in the in the week ahead in the form of memos and things posted to the sites and it's just my way of trying to update you as I learn and as I get details some of the information you've wanted I simply haven't had until recent days as soon as I can I will get it to you and that is my commitment to transparency and open uh, open governance with you housing is something I wanna to reference tonight. I know our campus has, has shared some division on, on housing and, and I don't expect there to be unanimous support for housing, but two things I've learned in the last couple of weeks have really kind of shifted my attention towards housing. Housing is going to become a common community college feature in the immediate years ahead. There are approximately 50 community colleges preparing housing applications now. I personally am very proud of being able to move Napa Valley College's housing project forward with the experts we have on hand. We are making progress on your housing project. And I think it's very significant when we consider the potential in the week ahead, you're gonna get some updated marketing information that shows that demand has increased uh, in terms of our students wanting Housing, and so I want you to know, as with as much challenge as there is, there, there's some really good news associated with housing, and I hope we all have forward to working on that together, uh, in the weeks and months ahead. I haven't heard anyone mention graduation yet, so I want to mention graduation. I am really excited as I watch Oscar's team work across campus with with uh, individuals. Putting together an outdoor graduation ceremony that is really going to give us a chance to show ourselves at our best, celebrating our students, having a big old college family party at graduation. And, you know, I think, I just think that's something that we can really look forward to, buy into, come together as a community. And so I want to tip my hat to Oscar and your team with the work you're doing, because frankly, it looks like it's going to be. Uh, fantastic. In the immediate days ahead, um, I hope I hope it's it's Monday morning. We'll have a memo to you regarding the SERP and some of the updates to follow. I want to thank everybody for all of the patience you've shown in allowing me to put the data together, learn the facts, take the time to make the responsible decisions for the college and for our community. And you're going to see all that in the days ahead. Um, obviously, I don't expect to, to make everybody happy, but please know we have taken into consideration individuals' needs for, as, a, as a community, as a family. I want to give you my word, we are doing our very, very best for you. Um, it, it breaks my heart to know that I let you down. It was It's very difficult to hear a no-confidence vote, frankly when I think of the the sacrifice all of you have gone through and my desire to be here and help, that hurt me deeply as a human being because I am committed to this place. Even if it is six months, I am committed to this place. And I want you to know no matter what, I will still be committed to this place and I will still do my best for you no matter what uh, comes my way. That is my promise to all of you um, please look for the next steps memo. There'll be a couple of others. I will communicate as best as I possibly can. The FICMAT report is a roadmap. It is positive, and I'd love to talk about it tonight. But the May board meeting, I think, is going to be. A, we'll have the time to have analyzed and come back with uh, with more learning uh, to benefit the NVC community. Thank you.
1: Uh, Dr. Frost, we have a report from Public Affairs and Communications.
8: Thank you for reminding me. I saw Holly sitting there and I didn't realize that was under my, uh, Ms. Dawson?
18: It is, thank you very much. Um, Catherine, if you could put up my presentation. Good evening, trustees, colleagues, and community members, and welcome Dr. Powell. I have a brief presentation for you this evening on just a few of the activities that Public Affairs and Communications is doing. Besides the annual report that Dr. Frost presented earlier, and all the PRA requests that President Dodd referenced. Um, but first, I'd like to share with you something from the chancellor's office. You go to the next slide. They recently released the economic value of the California Community College System Report. The results of the study demonstrate that California's community colleges create value from multiple perspectives. The report includes an economic impact analysis and an investment analysis that demonstrate the value and impact community colleges have on our students and in our community. The full report is in Board Docs, and I'd like to share a brief video with you prepared by the Chancellor's Office. Note if you pay close attention, you may see our own Viticulture, Winery, and Technology program. We have sound. Catherine? Oh, well, no sound, Catherine. If not, why don't we move on, although I have a few other things that require sound. So this um, this presentation is uh, in BoardDoc, so you can take a look at it on your own and be able to hear the sound. Let's move on to the next slide. Um, although if sound doesn't work, you're not going to hear the spot either. Mm-hmm.
10: Okay. And it's such a good
1: commercial too.
18: I know, see? <laughs> um, well, we worked very closely with Student Affairs in the Performing Arts Center to promote Viva Mariachi, including a media sponsorship with Mega Mix, which is the new Spanish language radio station. And I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to hear it. One of the things that we have discussed quite a lot is um, looking at more opportunities to do things in Spanish language as well. And we are really making an effort to do that. Um, let's move to the next slide. Um, with support from the state for community college retention and enrollment outreach, we are in the process of implementing a number of marketing initiatives to support enrollment. The photo you see here is from a photo shoot that we did a few weeks ago at American Canyon High School to promote our CCAP and dual enrollment programs. Go ahead. Next. Dagmar Kuta recently joined, let's see if this works. Center,
1: we wanted to show you all the groceries that you get once a month because you are a Napa Valley College student. To find our hours, please check our Instagram at the NBC Basic Meet Center. We also have them posted on our Napa Valley College website. Please come get your free groceries.
18: Okay, good. You got that. So Dagmar Kuta recently joined our team as our digital marketing and communication specialist, and she is reinvigorating our social media efforts. She just launched a Napa Valley TikTok account, and this is the first video that we did, but you'll be seeing lots of fun videos for those of you who use TikTok. Um, This is an example of promoting our food bank and our basic needs center. And TikTok is an incredible tool to reach a younger audience. I will tell you my 10-year-old uses it, but about 80 million U.S. users with 80% of them between ages 16 and 34. Let's go to the next slide, please. Here are a couple of examples of recent social media posts. And while we are continuing to promote things like the summer session and transfer, we're also starting to share more personal content like videos and photos of our campus community as well as our student success stories. Next. We are just about to launch a geofencing campaign, which is a location-based service where, basically, it's kind of like Big Brother, where they look when you Google certain information, we are able to insert ads that are related. And this is specifically a campaign to target underemployed, unemployed, and job seekers with a geofencing campaign and guide them to our website. Next,
7: please. Nosotros somos Napa Valley College. Mi nombre es estudiante de primera generación aquí en el Colegio de Napa, Mi nombre es María de Jesús Quevedo y trabajo como asistente en los servicios de consejería del Colegio del Valle de Napa. Yo me llamo Arsi y yo estoy estudiando comunicaciones y yo he recibido dos años de colegiatura gratis por
2: el programa
14: NBC Promise Program. Hola, soy Oscar, soy el asistente mañager en el Colegio de Napa. Hola, yo me llamo Alejandro Quevedo, soy un
7: Valley. in Napa Valley. Valley College puede avanzar su carrera La
18: abre pronto para el verano y otoño. Visite Napa Valley.edu para aplicar. So we know that parents and grandparents of prospective students in the Latinx community are listening to the new Spanish language radio station. So we are running regular ads with them. This is a more general ad, We are NBC, where it features some of the students and staff at Napa Valley college inviting students to join us here next slide we have several direct mail pieces and social media campaigns in the works to support dual enrollment the benefits of attending napa valley college summer school is cool and more this is one that is going out to support our summer programming next I'm almost done. Um, I just wanted to share a few other projects in the works. Media releases, we're always telling the stories of our students. Um, In fact, a recent story inspired us to invite an NBC graduate to return as this year's keynote speaker at commencement. We will be launching a social mirror advertising campaign on, uh, and as well as online audio spots on Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud and other platforms to drive enrollment for fall. And you will see Napa Valley College on buses and billboards very soon as we ramp up marketing efforts for fall enrollment. We'll also be celebrating Black Student Success Week later this month and highlighting current students as well as graduates. We've created an outreach folder and we're developing new materials to share with prospective students, families, counselors, and others, and work continues on the new website now that Denise Kaduri, our web and content specialist, is on board, and we have begun the laborious process of content migration. But we are planning to launch this summer, and we're very excited about that. And finally, next slide, a quick update on legislative affairs. As Dr. Parker mentioned, there are over 200 pieces of legislation that have been introduced and we continue to work closely with the chancellor's office and CCLC to monitor those that might potentially have an effect on us. Most recently, we sent a letter of support for SB 1141, which expands eligibility for undocumented community adult students. And we also voiced our support for Senator Padilla's Hispanic Educational Resources and Empowerment Act of 2022. We will be in Sacramento on Tuesday to testify with a coalition of community colleges at the Assembly Budget Committee regarding funding for student housing. And thank you very much for your time this evening and the opportunity to give you an update of just some of what we're doing.
0: Thank you very, very much, Holly. It's great work.
1: We're at 18.1 trustee uh, reports. Uh, Trustee Deluna,
10: oh, I'm not used to being first. Um, so I just wanted to thank all the faculty and staff that um, I've been able to um, reach out to lately. I am um, happy to hear that we are um, on a road to recovery. I think, and you know, although the resolution um, wasn't nice to to hear out loud, it um, it is a reminder of the work that we have to go to do um, moving forward. I wanted to congratulate Marco Manso and his family and then also Rogelio Ochoa, our coach for um, him signing to the Bakersfield, I think college um, to play soccer there. And, uh, and um, I just, you know, want to thank everyone. I want to thank Oscar for all his, work um that he's done and I'm very sorry just to, to see that you're leaving. Um I think all my adult life I've uh always seen you here and I feel like you belong just here forever. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you so much for everything. <laughs> and um yes. yeah and just thank you to everybody for all your hard work. I know sometimes we don't or we don't mention it enough but we really we truly are grateful for everything you do.
0: Thank you, Chelsea Luna. Uh, sorry sorry to uh going you
9: right away um let's see uh, trustee baldini good evening uh, oscar i'll i'll miss you uh, thank you very much for all you've done for the students and for the college here in Napa valley and for Napa valley community uh, we'll share something uh soon i'm sure thank, thank, thank you. you very much thank you the the um, and it was at the mariachi festival the Saturday evening performance and again spectacular and what a foundation you've you've set for that going forward and uh, hopefully I'll, uh, as a member of DAS I'll be counting checks from my fellow trustees in support of next year's event uh, as uh, I'm already there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
0: trustee Baldini. Uh, student trustee Soto Gonzalez.
4: Yes. Um, just to reiterate what, um, the other trustees have said that, um, Oscar Dejaro, um, I didn't even know that you were going to leave us. I was like, oh, really? Wow. I thought he had more with, more time with us, but, uh, yeah. Um, thank you for everything that I've done for the college. Even though I've only been here for, you know, a few years, but like, I have seen you really committed to helping students and helping out the whole community in the college. Um. I also have to say, oh, the Washington DC trip was very fun, very informative, and it was awesome getting to meet other leaders from across the nation and learning more about leadership skills, talking with representatives like Mike Thompson, Alex Padilla, and all that was great. And also exploring Washington DC, like, that was, that was very great. Um, do I have anything else? I think that's it besides just waiting now for a university admission to see if I got it or not. <laughs> and yeah, thanks for my report.
1: Fingers crossed, David.
4: Good luck, David. Um,
0: trustee Goff.
6: Okay, I hope my my Wi-Fi stays in. There's a lot that's been happening, so I actually wrote a report tonight, an official report. So it says, first, I'd like to thank all of those who have reached out to me as a trustee. I appreciate getting to know those of you who are part of the NVC community, and it is clear from these conversations that all of us were intentionally separated for many years. I'd like to thank Oscar DeHaro for both the Viva and Mariachi event as well as his years, years of service to this institution. You will be missed, but I wish you a wonderful retirement. Thank you also to Eric Shear for the invitation to view our student art gallery. we have very talented students and it was great to view their creations. I actually found art that was uh, completed by a former student. So that was really, really uh, wonderful to see. I'm also appreciative of the new agenda order. As a community college, we need to begin to put our community first. Making action items a priority on our agenda allows our community members, those who voted for us and for whom we work, a consistent opportunity to participate making sure there is a reasonable consistent time in these public meetings for community comment is imperative to keeping our focus on community input i would like to thank dr frost for taking on this horribly difficult job at the direction of this board he has begun the difficult process of addressing several challenges on this campus it is a real shame that he has been vilified by some for doing this job professionally i've been here it wasn't too long ago that as a teacher i faced a similar situation The budget was in shambles before anyone realized and cuts had to be made to save NBUSD from state takeover. Similarly, the new superintendent initially kept the cuts as far away from the classroom as possible by starting with the administrative staff. While in my experience, this was appreciated. Dr. Frost has not received the same understanding. It is my hope that this will change over time. I'm sorry that constituent groups rushed to condemn this board before receiving all the facts as requested. As expected, the Mac report illuminated several things that needed to be clarified so we can begin the challenging work of moving forward. To me, there are three areas of particular concern, especially since the report illustrates that current policy and procedures are inadequate. Number one, it's clear from this report that the board followed the process of outlining a budget, it went through the planning and budget committee, the cabinet, area's councils and the president's office before being put in front of this board. The question is, where in this process did the review break down? Did you really want the board of trustees to micromanage every decision of these groups? Second, Dr. Frost has begun the process of publishing the policies and admin regulations as required. There's no question that we are out of compliance. So it's confounding to hear the outrage that Dr. Frost has endured by following this simple directive. Publishing does not mean that collegial consultation will not occur. Why would anyone want this college to be out of compliance on such a basic issue that, in the entire scope of our situation, is one of the easiest to address? Third, it is also clear from this FitMat report that budgeting and faculty hires are not connected as seen in item 18. As discussed earlier in this meeting, there is definitely a disconnect between budget and staffing. According to AP 7120.1, I quote, adding faculty is determined cooperatively through an evidence-based process involving college administrators, the academic senate, and faculty members in the discipline. The total number of new hires per year is determined by the president's cabinet, taking into account the needs of students, availability of funds, potential impact on the district budget, and the full-time faculty obligation as determined by the chancellor's office. Clearly steps in this process were either not followed or ineffective. As I began to dig into this topic, several other questions came to mind. One, who determines which classes are going to be offered and when? Two, why is the average class size 21 when the CCC efficiency standard is 35? We have a goal of a 75% overall division fill rate by August. Is this realistic with the current processes used? Next, how far are we in our Guided Pathways initiative? Has any work been done to move this forward so we offer classes that are useful to the students we serve? Are classes available to fulfill the degree in which students are pursuing? Is the contractual five-hour-per-week committee other duties time used before reassigned time is triggered? How is this tracked? How are we, as per Overstaffed by 39 faculty members and still needing part time faculty to fill classes offered all of these questions just and that's not all the ones I had, they were just ones I wrote down, but none of these have easy answers as discussed earlier in the meeting, we need to invest in systems to assist these areas. Staffing is ne- never an easy process, but we need to focus on getting our faculty back in the classroom to perform the jobs they are hard to do to ensure our students are getting the best, most efficient use of their classes. Overall, I believe we should create a policy and procedure review committee. It is clear that many of the processes in place currently are not being followed, are contradictory in nature, or simply ineffective. This makes it difficult for all of us to do our job. Finally, I am baffled that while the Academic Senate president has threatened this board with a technical visit by ASCCC for months, she is unwilling to sign the letter which will officially ask for a visit at this time. It is crucial this board and the Academic Senate begin to work together if we are to move forward. However, she has spent her time overstating her authority, making personal and professional accusations and bullying and intimidating NBC staff. I ask her to stop. I'm asking Dr. Frost to set a meeting date as soon as possible with ASCCC, the board, and the officers of the Academic Senate. In closing, we have a lot of work to do. And while I can understand the frustration felt, we simply the—we don't have the time or money to waste on pointing fingers. We have serious issues that need people who are willing to focus on the job at hand. Some decisions will be painful, but I am optimistic. We have good people here at NBC, and if we work together to clarify and simplify our processes with the students in mind, we will come out better off for it. And that is my report.
0: Thank you, Trustee Goff. Trustee Rios.
2: Well, um, just a couple of things. First, uh, I want to start with uh, congratulations to Oscar again. I know we've been through this before, but I guess you really are leaving us now. Yes, I am. (laughs) Uh, So I wish you all the best in in your retirement and also an apology. I missed the uh, mariachi festival. Um, I was out of town. I was fishing Um, and I had sent you an email asking if I could pay for some students to go and then I didn't see your response. Um, so, I think I I, I owe you <laughs> on that one uh, and somehow maybe we can figure out how I can make that up to you. Um, secondly, uh, then on to uh, Dr. Frost, uh, I want to thank you. We've given you a number of things uh, to do, a number of things to work on, um, I've really appreciated the information. Uh, relative to these tasks we've given you that you have been uh, uh, sending to us, providing us, that have really, at least for me, have uh, helped me understand some of these issues uh, much better than I did in the past. Um, so I'm very appreciative about that. Uh, I also want to, um, try to call on you to um, something that the best... Uh, just mentioned also, you know, this meeting, um, that she, she wants to have scheduled between the board and the academic Senate and, and, uh, the ACCJC. Um, I want to know, you know, this is part of the training we've, we've discussed and training for the board on governance issues and Uh, I don't see why we can't move forward. If they're not going to participate, we could still have some training to assist us, uh, you know, in understanding um, the governance process and and see where we we lack understanding or the correct procedures. Uh, I think that that would be helpful even without the uh, Academic Senate if we can't move forward uh, together at this point. So I'd like to see us move move on with that uh, in one way or or another. Um, And uh, just thank you. Thank you uh, Jim Reeves also for uh, all the work that you've done and uh, helping us understand our budget better and uh, working on the processes uh, that need improvement. Um, That's it. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Trustee Rios. Trustee Baker.
11: Well, yes, thank you. I'm glad you picked me next because my my computer's dying. Hold on, <laughs> uh, in just a second. Um, I also have um, a written report that I'm going to share. But before I dive into that, I just want to say welcome to Dr. Powell. Uh, it was great to see you and meet your wife at the Mariachi Festival. Um, speaking of Oscar, my goodness, we're gonna. Miss you. I hope you will come back for the third annual because it wouldn't be the same without you. And regardless, if you are helping to plan it or whoever is going to plan it, uh, my family, I brought my whole family with me. We had a great time. Had uh, one comment from my 15-year-old because food is always on his mind. Uh, You can't really have a festival, particularly a mariachi festival, if you don't have tacos. So next year tacos please so my <laughs> uh, so uh, i do have a, a written statement of sorts that i i wanted to share um in my first five years serving on the board i honestly believed our financial situation was good and stable and that we as a board were doing our due diligence in that respect we had policies in place we had a planning and budget committee that met monthly We had regular presentations that demonstrated balanced budgets, compliance with the 50-50 law, and clean reports to the chancellor's office. And our independent auditors concurred that our financial statements fairly presented our fiscal status. Although reports were not on time during the pandemic, that was presented to the board as expected and in no way problematic. We accepted all of this at face value and made decisions based on these facts in good faith, facts being in quote. When Doug Roberts took over the district's finances last summer, it very quickly became apparent that things were not as rosy as we had been led to believe. During his short tenure here, he brought many things to light that showed a completely different picture of our fiscal situation. As he probed deeper, it became even more obvious that this was not an unforeseeable crisis we were dealing with, but one that had been allowed to accumulate and could should and would have been avoided if this board had been provided with complete and accurate information. I can say that in full confidence because of one very simple fact. When the board was presented with clear evidence that critical information was being withheld from us, we immediately and unanimously changed course. In less than a week from the time that I first learned of it as board chair, a week that included a federal holiday, no less, we had installed new leadership and had begun the process of putting things to rights. Now that we are seeing the evidence of how we got here, I'm deeply regretful and frankly angry that we did not have this information sooner. If we had, I know I would have acted quite differently over the last several years. I want to thank Doug Roberts, Oscar Deharo, Dr. Robert Frost, and Jim Reeves for ensuring that the board is receiving complete and accurate information now on a regular basis. The commitment to transparency and engagement exhibited by these leaders gives me confidence that we will not only fix the situation we are in, but will move forward with appropriate processes and checks and balances to ensure these mistakes are not repeated in the future. I especially want to thank Dr. Frost He is in a very difficult position. When we selected him to serve as interim, we were open with him that he was coming in to help us sort out and clean up a significant mess. However, none of us was aware at that time just how deep the hole was. But we have instructed him to get to the bottom of it and help us build a ladder to climb back out. The decisions we have directed him to make are hard, but they will pay off. And he has my full support in this effort. Now that we have the recommendations from FIGMAT detailing the type of information the board should have to effectively set policy and monitor the college's ongoing fiscal health, we are at a turning point. These are painful moments, but we have an opportunity and a responsibility now to make a difference. In the future, I hope the entire college community will be able to look back on this period and be proud of how when faced with enormous challenge, we worked collaboratively to move forward. And that concludes my report. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Trustee Baker. Trustee Everson.
11: I want to uh,
3: thank my fellow trustees and I also want to thank and congratulate Oscar DeHaro and appreciate everything you've done for the district and the community and all these years of service. And I know you may be leaving us, but uh, you won't be far and I'm sure you're going to visit, so. Thank you. I uh, also, you know, we're committed to fixing this. Um, we're gonna leave this as a board. The board governs by policy. We have a clear roadmap thanks to FIC FICMAT. And you know, it's I uh agree with a lot of the statements that the, the trustees of my fellow trustees have made tonight and We will get through this together as a district, as a board, as a community. Um, The sky is not falling and there is a clear path out of this. So we've got a lot of lessons from the past. um, I think we're moving in the right direction now. That's all I have to say. I think
0: everybody's headed on the head tonight. Yeah, thank you, Trustee Iverson. Um yeah I think that's uh, and I, I really uh, appreciate all my colleagues um are talking about the pathway forward. Um that's our job I think as leaders is to lead the district forward whether or not you're a member of the board of trustees or um or a, a a leader on the executive board for any of our, our our constituency groups one of our constituent constituency leaders we all we we all need to show our leadership now. Um, I think, you know, I'm personally I'm, I'm done relitigating the past, but, you know, we all need to learn from it and, and stop the finger pointing because it, it really doesn't serve um, our students. It doesn't serve our community. And it really just distracts us from the situation, the steps um, that we uh, need to take. Um, you know, the board will have a management action plan in plan or a plan to, to execute, you know, fixed match recommendations. Um, but that really ultimately recommendations are recommendations, and we need to be working together on the follow through, um, you know, there's plenty, plenty of uh, responsibility to go around, um, uh, but we need to be f- forward thinking and recognize that there is need for improvement. Um, I, I think. I, I really appreciate why uh, Dr. Frost reaching out to the academic senate and talking to the for, and asking to bring in the academic senate colleagues uh, on, at the statewide level to bring them to bring them in and and do a consultation to see how the board um, can improve um, its policy making abilities, improve um, fiscal management and budget development, improve um, our relations in general with the academic senate. Um, so we're not I'm calling swear words, uh, at our, at our, at our superintendent, it was just, just so shocking to, to, to hear, um, you know, but right now it, it's important. I think about moving forward. And if, if you're not forward thinking, you're just going to get left behind. I think in my mind, I don't want to leave anybody behind. I, the board doesn't want to leave anybody behind. Um, but we need you. I think we need you to be, uh, with us and work through implementation and telling us how we can do better. I think you know looking back on the past 3 years versus the last 6 months I can tell you the board has been on pretty much kind of an island very segregated I think in terms of our ability to communicate with the rest of the campus community. Those have all been you know very filtered communications and I would would love to do that. I've asked and, and met with you know various um Constituency leaders trying to build working groups um, with uh, the different constituent groups as well, and 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 I think people are just reluctant to do that. But ultimately, this is uh, um, it's about coming together, putting our differences aside, putting our allegiances aside, and doing what's best for the students in the community. I it was after the newspaper articles uh, a few weeks ago, I, I was actually quite shocked. I Got numerous, numerous, numerous emails of support saying, "Hey Jeff, how can we support you? How can we support the college? What can we do?" I mean, really, I mean, very heartwarming um, um, uh, notes of just encouragement and support. And then on the other hand, when we, uh, on campus, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite. Ultimately, though, I, I'm I'm ready to move on and and put that aside because again, I don't think that does anything for the um, uh, either groups it doesn't do anything for the board and it doesn't do anything um, for our students and in, in, the, in the larger campus and i heard christy talking about you know we need to increase salaries we need to I've also talked about improving our facilities ultimately all of this thing the the roadmap is in front of us the ficmat report provides it all we just need to have those implementations in place have the guidance in place and we need to follow through and there's going to be some tough decisions i don't think we can um dismiss that fact but I think we all just need to be honest and um, with each other and work together and when we have disagreements we need to just be dis- disrespectful when those 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 uh, those things occur. but ultimately this is going to um, put the college on the right track um, and really provide those opportunities to grow programs to increase salaries to increase improve our IT, improve our facilities. Um, on the long-term and that's what I'm focused on right now. I know the board is focused on um, the long-term and I'm hoping that we could all start um, working together very collegially and open up our communication lines and and, and put our differences aside. So we'll move on to a standing committee and other appointment reports and and we'll go to Das.
9: Thank you, Trustee Dodd. Uh, we met on uh, three twenty two uh, our next meeting is in june june twenty eighth we discussed the annual report and and budget and of course mariachi festival and and uh, so on and so forth and I'll just go right into the viticulture and winery if I may we met on a special meeting on five eighteen uh, we covered the uh, promotional use of wine such as at the mariachi festival as well as and procedures going forward on how that was to be done heard about our our wine club program as well as uh uh marketing updates and and so on and so forth so thank you very much that's my report
0: thank you Trustee baldini i don't think we have anything to report out of audit and finance and um nothing to report from real property um either uh, mcpherson a distinguished teaching award trustee yes,
6: yes. we met uh, on the fourth uh, that committee has officially finished that job and i have to commend again dr sarah parker for leading that committee she does a fantastic job um, it was a small committee we had a really great conversation um her office is so organized and just does it right. So um, we're done. I can't say anything. I'm sworn to secrecy, but I believe Dr. Parker is going to make an announcement when we come back from spring break. I think that's when it's going to happen. Please mark your calendars for uh, May 5th. That will be the uh, McPherson Distinguished Award presentation. It is going to be live and in person. So I believe it's at 4.30, correct, Dr. Parker? 4.30 on May 5th? That is correct.
13: We will be uh, sending you off to a Cinco de Mayo celebration by celebrating our teachers first.
6: There you go. That's right. So if if you guys can come, we'd love to have you in person uh, to acknowledge this wonderful person that was chosen. So uh, be ready. Announcement's coming. So uh, Dr. Parker will be sending that out. And that is it.
0: Thank you. Trustee Luna, uh, Dr. Shank Ward.
10: Yes, so we have extended the deadline for nominations to Friday, April 22nd. So if anybody is still out there listening, please make sure you submit your nominations. And do you want me to do accreditation too?
0: I mean, not that I have anything. Yeah, no, I think we heard the accreditation part. it, unless yeah. you have anything additional. That, no, that's Dr. it. Dr. Rohn- because we're having yeah. a
10: meeting next week, I think.
0: Yeah. And that's all. Thank you. Uh, Foundation, Trustee Iverson. Um, I just really
3: appreciated uh, Malcolm coming in and speaking during public comment. There's a lot of good things that the foundation is doing right now for the, the district and I'm excited to be a part of it. So, nothing else to
0: report. Thank you. Um, 18.3 future agenda item requests, Catherine, will you open up the log? Anything to um add, I guess w- would like to have now on there is uh, uh trustee baker. I see your hand up. I know your computer's down, you're on your phone now, maybe. Um is have that uh, operational plan um and strategy plan uh, to implement the FICMAT recommendations, like to have that on there, but trustee baker. Yeah, um it
11: um I I think it was Trustee Goff and also Trustee Rios in their reports mentioned um, the possibility of having a committee or something created that would uh, be looking at policies and procedures. I know that we're not supposed to be in the weeds, so to speak, when it comes to APs, and we don't um, look at, we don't approve those, but I think it would be a good thing, especially given what we're in right now and how we got here, to be able to look at those and if there are conflicts or problems or things that are, are are out of whack, to just be able to say, hey, or can can we have some clarification on this, or can somebody explain, you know, what the thought process is here, so that we. Don't have these sorts
0: of things happening in the future. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good idea, Trustee. I think you know, talking about board goals um, with respect to more, you know, greater training and so on. I think if 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 the state, uh, California um, Academic Senate. if we're not able to bring them on, on campus, I think uh in the next few months, I think we should just maybe proceed with the ACCJC training on that and, and provide see if they can provide direction on the best way to form that committee. Dr. Frost, I see your, your hand up
8: Yeah, just two things. Um I should have by the May meeting a. Um, I've reached out to the league and, and, and Jeff. I think you were probably thinking of the league in terms of board training, for the that for the topics we've been talking about. But maybe it was ACCG. Oh
0: no, no, it was. Late. I'm sorry, too uh, late.
8: So, so my two points are: um, it's not my place to develop a calendar with the board, but the board did task me with kind of developing. what a a standard board training annual calendar would look like. And I'll have that for you easily by the May meeting so that you can begin to develop that with Dr. Powell Powell when he arrives. And, And I'll, of course, advisor help however you'd like, but I wanted you to know that we were following through on that um secondarily you know the league is available for training and consultation both for the board or for all college and i think there's several good consultants out there too but you know if there's any way to include the uh, state academic senate group they do a they actually do a great partnership workshops with the league uh those folks actually work together really well i've 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 brought them into three other colleges. They do a great job and it, it's a real good unity first step. And so I, I would encourage you to continue uh, down that path as you're going, so uh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Dr.
0: Frost. Uh, Trustee Luna, you have your hand, and then Trustee Goff is next.
8: Okay, and I, I just wanted
10: to ask that we add um, first a resolution to honor uh, Oscar DeVado and the service of the college for next meeting. And also, I know that um, faculty and staff have been um, talking about an af- establishing an affinity group for that next students and community uh, college community members. Um, so I would, I was hoping that we could do that before OSCAD leaves, because I know that that's something that he's been um, that we've talked about too. Uh, so hoping that that can go on our next main meeting. Um, and then can we start an agenda for our board retreat or workshop or whatever we're calling it? I think we had it in July or August last year. I'm joy-
0: hey, Catherine is trying to schedule a date. And so if you if you haven't touched base with her, um yeah, that's I think what I'm having the most difficulty is pinning everybody down on a on a date. And so if she's reached out to you, would you please get back to her on your on your availability? Okay. Trustee Goff?
6: Um Yeah, I think all of us uh, sitting here on the board have benefited from Dr. Frost and his um, openness to help us become better at our job. And it really shines a light on the fact that onboarding for trustees at Napa Valley College is pretty much non-existent. So I would really love to have some sort of, I don't know if it's an ad hoc committee or something, to really... <coughs> build a handbook or a process where new trustees will learn the job um, from all the constituent groups at the college. I don't know what it would look like, but I can tell you um, I've learned more about how to do this job in the last two months than in the last three years. And I think a lot of us feel that way. So I would really like to take that momentum and really develop a program. So when new trustees come in, They're given that support. They're given that um, confidence to know when they can speak, who they can speak to, and how the system works. So again, I don't know if that's a committee. I don't know if it's a handbook. I don't know what it is, but I'd love to develop something for those trustees that are going to follow us.
0: That's a great idea, Trustee Goff. And I'm... Cut that down. Actually, it's on on my list of kind of to do's as well. And I also think just to piggyback off of that, something I realized and found out is, you know, even our planning and budget committee members, you know, there's no training for planning and budget committee um, in terms of any sort of orientation into those, those processes and procedures. Um, So I think even, you know, I think a good way, I think, to be efficient in that process, especially if there's like an onboarding for your trustees with respect to the budget, is it offered the same for any sort of new uh, planning and budget committee members as well. I'll benefit from that good idea. Seeing no other hands, um, thank you everyone for for bearing with us and um, so. Catherine, I didn't tell you this, but we didn't finish all of our items, our discussion in closed session. So the board is is going to be moving back into closed session um with uh, uh Dr. Frost um and Mr. Reeves. My apolo- my apologies. Or actually we could, you know, Dr. Frost, I think if I think it could just be you in, in terms of uh let uh, Mr. Reeves go home for the evening um and getting some good good direction, I think, for the board um on our discussion. but the board will return, uh, uh, into a closed session. And, uh, when we move out of closed session back into regular to adjourn the meeting, there will be no announcements. So please, uh, no, there's no reason to stick around, uh, and, uh, and join us when we return, uh, trustee Baker.
11: Yeah, just, real quick, I was going to ask if we could have a, a couple of minutes of break so I
0: could, uh, thank you for people. suggesting that. Yes, let's do that. I can't see. Um, it is at 9 24 right now. How about um, a six six minute break? Or do you need no longer? Then then we'll reconvene in closed session at 9 30. Okay. Thank you all.